Welcome to Deep Drinks Podcast, where the drinks are deep and the conversations are deeper. Welcome everyone to the Deep Drinks Podcast. My name is Dave and tonight we have an amazing guest, Shannon Q. She almost needs no introduction, um, but if you were to introduce her, which I am doing now, um, you may know Shannon Q from The Lion, The Atheist Experience, Truth Wanted, Paulagia, uh, Myth Vision or her own channel, or debating the likes of people like Darth Dawkins. <laughs> debating the people <laughs> the likes of people like Darth Dawkins. Shannon has an honours degree in psychology uh, where, she, where she specialised in cognition, perception and communication. She has been, so this, so I hope this goes over well. Because she's been described such named as evasive interlocutor, <laughs> the giggle girl, wide-eyed asshole, <laughs> satanical atheist, one who lies for money, and her personal favorite, green head and teeth looking bitch. <laughs> oh, it is her, my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Her favorite word is fuck. So True. with that said... I would like to formally welcome Shannon fucking Q to the <laughs> Deep Links <you>. podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That might be the, the most comprehensive <laughs> list anywhere on the internet of my Twitter handles. Yeah. I went through literally because I, I was looking how to how do I find your Twitter handles? Like like if you've done a name change, there's mm -hmm. no way I, you can do it as far as right. I know. So I went through like a year of your media like images and just read to see where you'd like screenshot of certain things and you'd say like new oh Twitter gosh. handle or whatever. So yeah, I did my work because um they're hilarious. Wow. So. <laughs> that is wow. I'm that is an impressive amount of dedication to my internet trolling. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's it's important. That's awesome. Your internet trolling is important. <laughs> The most important part of my activism is pissing yeah. people off on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, also, uh, so tonight we were we were originally going to drink a certain type of rum, mm. but then I couldn't find that a certain type of rum, and then you couldn't find that certain type of rum that you found out just this, today. Yeah. So it's it's actually really good. So when I, I remember when you first um, you first shot me a message, you wanted to put forth your resume, and you just shot me a, a photo of your alcohol cover that had all sorts <laughs> of random spawn. Okay. That was my so, application. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. So that's great. So tonight we're drinking two different drinks. But what are you drinking? I am. Uh, I'm. Ash I'm ashamed of myself, but I'm drinking. <laughs> like I don't even want to put it on camera. <laughs> it's some because form I of alcohol. Because I said we would drink rum, and the only rum that we had in the house was this bottle of Bacardi. <laughs> <laughs> it's Paul's. Paul drinks awesome. the crap rum, and I drink. I wanted some Florida Canna, and I thought I had some here, but I didn't. And I was at the yeah. store today because it's Paul's birthday next week. And I got all the stuff for his birthday and just completely, just completely slipped my mind while I was there. I should get a bottle of Florida Canna. <laughs> yeah. And I got home well, and I was like, no. <laughs> well, when you, when you originally suggested it, I was like, oh, this looks like a cool rum, like um, from Nicaragua and stuff. I think, I think I said that right. And, and I'm like, cool, cool. And then I looked and every website said it had it, but then like this, they, they stocked it, but none was in stock anywhere in Australia. Oh. And I'll, what, what is this? So yeah, it was. Um, it's just Australia is dry on that specific rum, and I'm drinking this rum. And the reason I got a nice bottle of rum is because I'm um, interviewing Thomas Westbrook soon, and he has created this concoction drink that we're going to be drinking. So I was like, we're going to be adding rum to another thing. I might, might as well get a good rum. So I did some googling and got this one. So a good rum makes all the difference. I'm very jealous of you right now for having <laughs> yeah. the good rum. 
<laughs> so jealous because I love rum, like love rum, and I'd like Bacardi. I don't even classify it as rum. So rum flavored I... alcohol. That's what Bacardi is. <laughs> so I've um I'm not actually a fan of rum. Uh, so <gasps> but this <laughs> rum, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm pouring myself a, a, a giant glass of this rum. This rum, and I've only had a coffee today. It's 11 a.m. for me. Um, <laughs> That's, this, you are dedicated. 11 a.m. Okay. I mean, yeah, not that I've well, not started that early before in my life, but yeah. Hey, it's part <laughs> of the, it's part of the it's part of the job, unfortunately. And <laughs> after this, I have some friends coming over, so I'm just going to be ahead of them on the on the drinking. So perfect. Great, works perfect. <laughs> um, so your so something that you just said before is. Paul, uh, Paul's drink is Bacardi, and people might not know that you're dating Paula Gia, right? Yeah, live in the same house with him and everything. We've been together for four oh. years. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. How did you guys? Can I? Can you go into how you guys like met or? Oh yeah, um, he was a YouTuber before me. Uh, I never intended to even have a YouTube channel or be involved really in YouTube at all, actually. Um, but he was on a channel talking about going to um the creation museum he was going there to see ken ham live and i was just wow. kind of starting to have a twitter even mm. at that point in time it was back in like 2017 and i saw i was standing outside watching him talking about this and they invited people that had questions to come in uh so i through google meets went into this live stream and just like kind of asked him a question about, you know, what he was going to do when he got there. And we started connecting that way and then started DMing over Twitter. And then um, he found out that I had a background in psychology because it's hard to talk to me and not find that out. So we just <laughs> kind of started talking from there and formed a pretty close friendship. And then several months later, just he came for a visit and we started dating. So, oh. yeah. We met, we, we literally met through YouTube. <laughs> That's so cool. That's how we met. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. It's uh, he fell in love with your brain and then, um, before he fell in love with you. That's I cool. like to I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so you've been an atheist, uh, activist for a while. Like, uh, I think I first saw you either on Paula G's channel or on, um, the atheist experience. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, I guess, but I, I actually don't know your deconversion story or like what kind of Christian were you? Because oh, wow. um, I need to give ammunition to people who, for people to tell, say that you weren't a true Christian. So if you could explain <laughs> the type of work. Christian you were. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Um, so if you could explain the type of Christian you were so you can give ammunition to people who can explain why you weren't a true Christian, that'd be really good. Yeah, for sure. So I was an Anglican. Um, mm. so I was raised in, in that faith and I, I described myself at a young age as competitively Christian. So I, okay. um, it's odd because I didn't even know that like young earth creationism was a thing until I was in my twenties that like evolution and all of that stuff never like, it, it never conflicted with my faith from my perspective. Um, mm -hmm. but growing up in the church, you know, I was like in Sunday school, I was in the choir. Um, I got confirmed early cause you get confirmed in the Anglican church into the church. Right. So usually you get confirmed when you're like in and around junior high school age, I got confirmed at eight because I wanted to be an altar girl because there were no altar girls. There was only boys serving. So I decided that <laughs> I was going to do that because 
I wanted to be, you know, the best at it and right up front serving God. And yeah, so I, I was very, very, very into church and very competitively Anglican, uh, right up until probably like my late teens and early twenties. Um, then I started, I didn't go to church as much then, but would have still considered myself very, very religious, like very God fearing. Um, like prayed all of the time, still very much believed. Um, then I started going to university and studying brains and oh. that. <laughs> as soon that, as you said university, as soon as it went right. to university. <laughs> that raised some questions. Um, and on top of that, I had some, some relatively kind of like tragic, uh, traumatic events happen in my life. And when those life events took place, you know, as you do, uh, when you're a person of faith, you're, you're taught to kind of lean into your faith and turn to your faith as a way to kind of like answer those questions and quell that trauma. Um, and I realized then that I'd never really read the Bible cover to cover, start to finish. So I thought, you know, like if I just really pour myself into it and start reading the Bible cover to cover, like I know the answers are in there. That's what I've always been taught and reading the Bible at the same time, like in conjunction with going to university and studying these things that were giving me questions, just gave me more questions and less answers. And that kind of re-traumatized me, right? Because the place that I was told I needed to go to get the answers, I found out not only are there not answers, that just gives me more questions. So now I'm going through trauma while I'm trying to deal with this mm. doubt and deconversion. So it was like a whole clusterfuck. <laughs> but yeah, so... Yeah, I guess that's my story. I don't have as interesting a story as many people. I was never, you know, sort of fundamentalist. I'm Canadian, so we don't have as much, you know, sort of Bible thumping, firebrands, mm. fires and brimstone preaching around here. We do have some, but it's not as prevalent. It doesn't permeate the society as much. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that, I was I was your run of the run of the mill Anglican girl. Not, never younger well, that, creationist, that sort of thing. No, what you said there actually made a lot of sense because, um, because, because I remember when you said that, like, you were re traumatized trying to mm. find the truth. Yeah. I can relate to that a little bit because I was, oh, really? I was similar in that I wasn't trying to go into the Bible to try and find the truth. I remember that, um, I so I don't know if you know too much about my story. I was of, I was a youth pastor at one stage mm -hmm. and then I, a Pentecostal youth pastor. I, I, I eventually deconverted I'm an agnostic atheist now, but. Um, the, the situation was, I remember realizing that I wanted to get to the bottom of like the, um, creation versus evolution debate. And I wanted to like, um, I was really into science, um, well, pop science, I guess. And I, I was like, okay, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And then at least I will know why the other, why the evolutionists believe what they believe. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did, I, 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 I started the investigation. I started this document called the objective truth of origins, where I was going to like, look at every piece of line of evidence I could. Uh, and what I, uh, what I realized was that I couldn't go into that, um, investigation already assuming a verdict. I had to actually, when I was investigating one piece of evidence or a study or, or something, I had to remove as much bias as possible. And, and, and I removed the the perspective that you know 
God was in control of everything. And God, you know, it's all like the the conclusion that would arrive to God. And when I did that, um, I, I really the only reason I thought it was okay to do that was because I knew that it would lead me to God anyway, right? Because God was like yeah. definitely real. So therefore I didn't need to protect my faith anymore. I didn't need to protect it. And whenever I was investigating these things, I would go into, you know, I would and take then when off you came God, out the God other hunt. end, you could say I did it completely unbiased and you would feel yeah. as though you had that intellectual integrity. Mm. Yeah. And so I started doing that and I started noticing cracks and I started noticing my theology and philosophy and stuff, life, ideas, worldview. And I started noticing more and more cracks until eventually these cracks were like giant canyons. Um, I can say thank you to Aaron Ra, Matt Delahunty. Like I can thank, I can thank a lot of people for that, but uh, mainly the studies that I was looking up. But the thing that traumatized me a little bit is these were really concerning. Um, and so I'll go to my fellow Christians and I'll be like, hey, I'm really concerned about this. And it was the, the non-answers. It was not even the non-answers. It was the dishonesty. It was like, oh, okay. It was like they will they would directly lie to themselves or to me. They would they like and and I was like, and it's not like I could go back. You know, what I mean, it's not like I could ever like go back into and like just pretend I didn't see that stuff. I would just be lying to myself then. So I would go and talk to like Christians about. It. I'm like, but does this really make sense that Noah sailed around for a year on a boat? Like, and then be like, oh yeah, well, maybe God populated the earth with animals after the flood and stuff. And I'm I'm like, oh my god, that that. Then you're just adding to the Bible. And yeah, so it was actually the, the part that actually hurt the most for me was realizing how dishonest most people in the faith that I was in were, or the faith was in, in general. And so that was actually a really hard thing to deal with. Oh, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. It's just, it's, that's such a common story too. You said your story sounds mm. a lot like Paul's story. Because he, like, except for he didn't really go into, oh, I mean, you can talk to him eventually one day, but he didn't go in like to try to disprove it. He went in because he was a graphic novelist and he was writing a book about dinosaurs. And he was like, well, I should figure mm. out what some of these evolutionists think about this stuff. And he'd never really <laughs> yeah. objectively looked at it or looked at a period before because he knew the Bible and the church had all the answers, like what was the need, right? Yeah. And then when he looked into it, he was like, okay, so this actually makes sense. Why does this make sense? And he was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go look at the best people that have the best answers on our side. And he looked at those and he was like, this is trash. <laughs> Holy Can't shit. Be. Who yeah. are these people that I've been trusting? Having like those trust issues um, is huge. Like I had mm. so something similar happen to like, like I mentioned, I was going through so, some traumatic stuff, right? Like some bad family stuff had taken place. Like there was a murder in the family and it was not good. And mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out how to cope and deal with that. And our relationship was breaking up. Like all of the, like people have stuff, right? We all have stuff. Mm -hmm. And as I was trying to figure all of that out and everything about my faith was unraveling simultaneously, that, that causes you to spiral, right? And so I turned to the people that you're supposed to turn to, right? Like I turned to people who were in the faith, who were leaders. So like people who were pastors, people who were youth leaders, people who were deacons, people who were like at the university campus and they were there to like be the pastor that you turn to of your whatever denomination. And I tried talking to several of them about like all of these different objections, like the things that I was finding in the Bible that just didn't make any sense to me. I would come to them with these questions that I still to this day think are really legitimate questions and problems and they would make me feel like I was being silly or I was being over emotional 
they would talk about the they would try to get me to say well what's the reason you're asking this question instead of addressing yeah. the question they would put it on me that the, like i was being unreasonable about the question they would give me something that i considered a non-answer and then accuse me of being kind of unreasonable for not accepting it or 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 they would just give me an answer if I pushed hard enough, you'd eventually hit the, well, God works in mysterious ways, wall of obfuscation, which is just mm. the same to me as saying that there is no way to reconcile this. Just accept it and move the fuck on and leave me alone. Yeah. And that it's like, it's infuriating because they mm. spend your whole life telling you this is where you can get the answers. They convince you, they, they absolutely convince you mm. that this is what you can count on. And then when you need it and you hold it up to scrutiny, in your time of need, those people aren't there if you have any doubts about it. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they'll, they'll hold up. I think I even did this. I held up the Bible when I was preaching and said, this book has all the answers. Or, you know, that this book is 100% true. Mm -hmm. But then when you ask them like a question, like a really hard-hitting question, um, that is big. Like, you know, Jesus was supposed to return on his disciples' lifetime. Or just, you know, some big, big problems. Mm -hmm. um, you'll get that one, the... Um, uh, what you just said, or you'll get the the, the obfuscation, but you'll also get the uh, two I two eyes I I always used to get was, well, we can ask him when we meet him. So like you know like wait and see, yeah, wait and see. Or yeah, the just other keep one keep having was, faith. Um, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. The other one was um, if you had all the answers, there'd be no need for faith, and and God wants us to have faith, and it's like okay. Like, so, okay. yeah, so you're like, saying it's better for me to not have knowledge about how to solve the circumstances that I'm currently in. But but on one hand, you're saying, no, it's better for you not to have that knowledge because, you know, God doesn't want you to have that knowledge. Yeah. You'll just wait and see. But but on the other hand, this book has all the answers. So yeah. it'll be there when you need it. OK, but I need it now. Oh, well, it doesn't have all the answers. God works in mysterious yeah. ways. OK, but what do I do when I need it? Well, the book has all the answers. Yeah. Like, are you what? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, I remember <laughs> I love that I love that loop um right. it's funny that that loop I remember the first time it happened really crazily um when I first experienced it firsthand I was looking around the room like is everyone else hearing what this person's saying like I was so perplexed it was about Halloween in, mm. in Australia Halloween isn't big it's seen as demonic for a lot of Christians like really oh. demonic um we you know i live with someone who used to live with a really strong fundamentalist who used to put the fridge in front of the door because he thought it would stop the demonic spirits coming into the house wow. like weird stuff right um my wife's family used to shut off all the lights and and then like wouldn't respond to the door if little kids came there because it was letting demons in or if it was supporting the, the work of the enemy or something Holy so God. we have a very different perspective than north america but uh but I love Halloween, right? Like, I think mm. it's cute. Little kids can dress up. I've, you know, I yeah. grew up watching the, la the Labyrinth, so I'm okay with a little <gasps> bit of That's one of my favorite movies. It's so good, right? The day so I good. fell in love with David Bowie was first time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that and his last album were the are two reasons I fell in love with David Bowie. Oh, cool. You know, I, anyway. uh, but um, but uh, I remember talking to someone and I said, um, and I, I, was under the, I was under the assumption at the time that the Christmas tree and most Christmas traditions were pagan. Now, I know Michael Jones is going to punch me in the nose if I say that. Um, He's a dick. Yeah, but, he does that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, I, you know, I, I read the book Pagan Christianity. I was pretty convinced of it. So I was talking to someone, um, and I still don't know how I feel, but I was talking to someone about it, and I said, um, and they said, well, we know where the roots of Halloween come from. And I was saying it's, it's evil. And I said, well, yeah, and we're, it's Christmas time. We're sitting at a Christmas tree. And I said, yeah, but we know where the roots of Christmas tree come from. 
And then they said, yes, but we know what it represents now. And I said, yeah, yeah. So like for Halloween, for me, it's just like a fun time to dress up and get candy. And then like, and then it would loop and go, yeah, but we know where that came from. And I'm like, yeah, like the Christmas tree. And they're like, yeah, but we know what that means now. And it's like, yeah, like Halloween. And it looped like five times. And I'm like, and I was like looking in the room like, what? how are you like rebooting in the, in, the, in, in between? Like what's, what's happening? Like, I don't understand. Like, uh, so, um, yeah, it was, it was a, I just, yeah, that's, that's probably the, the strongest time that I've experienced that like loop of like, it has all the answers. It doesn't, it has all the answers. It doesn't, or, or, you know, or praying like the classic one is praying, right? Mm-hmm. Like you pray, you get yes, no, wait. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, wait, so you get the same results if you pray to a jug of milk or a potato? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's. I think a lot of what being a Christian was to me looking back, and I think is to a lot of people if they're really willing to be honest with themselves inter- internally, is so subjective and based on preference. Like you you. I don't want to say cherry pick, but you have a preference for uh, the things within the faith that align to your um, tendencies, desires, and moral system as Mm. they exist. You know, with a little bit of help, obviously, from, you know, some Mm. indoctrination and potential social pressures. But yeah, and then you'll ignore or write off things that don't align with that. So I think like your your friend with the Christmas tree was saying, well, this is a thing that I've reconciled and found my way to being okay with, but I'm not currently okay with your thing. So yeah, so yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I, I haven't made, been able to reconcile and be okay with your thing. That's apparently a bridge too far for me. Um, so when I'm saying, yeah, I know where it came from, I'm, what he's probably saying or they're probably saying is, yeah, I know where that came from and I reconciled mm. it. Even though I know where Halloween came from, I haven't been able to reconcile that. So mm. the, the message he was transmitting to you in that moment, I think, was probably like, yeah, I reconciled this one. Like, subjectively, that <laughs> one is okay with me. Yeah. But your thing's not okay with me. Yeah. And I'm the arbiter of these types of things, as most Christians are and most people of many faiths are, I think, in mm. particular instances. Because it's so open to interpretation. Like, mm. any given text isn't automatically imbued with some sort of knowledge that we can just you know strip directly out of it verbatim um we we imbue it ourselves with the context based on where we are at the moment mentally and contextually and who's influencing us and what our baseline is Mm. that's why there's 350,000 denominations right all of disagreements yeah yeah it's crazy there's um do you ever like something i realized when i was first walking away from the faith is i realized how little people give a shit about excuse my french people don't how dare you fucking swear around me (laughs) people people don't care about the truth like and it's okay to be like that but I, i think that most people when you like day to day when you talk to them they don't care about what's true or not or or whatever they just have their beliefs and then they just kind of they don't know how they arrive at them really and then they just kind of move on with life like do you notice did you notice that when you kind of 
deconverted? I think that people care about what's true, or at least they like to think that they do. Oh, but I believe most... they like to think that they do, but I don't think they do. And they, <laughs> well, they believe that they already know what's true, right? So they, mm. they trust that what they believe is true. Mm. Um, so that there's no need to investigate further. So mm. I think maybe what you and I might align on is that not everybody has the tenacity to follow through to its terminus, their intellectual curiosity um, regarding something like a religion, for example, because they're sated in their existing environment and externally supported and it's safe and they're reassured that it's true. Um, So they've, and, and in some cases, in many cases, they, they've done some investigating enough to satisfy themselves. It clearly wouldn't be enough to satisfy you or I, um, because we're here, here we are. Right? <laughs> but it was something that was satisfying enough for them that they could feel as though they were holding it to be the truth. Because I don't think that you can say, uh, or that it would be fair to say, um, that people purposefully, because it seems like you might be saying that people purposefully would want to hold false beliefs that they knew were false and they just don't mm. care. And I don't think that's the case. I yeah. Think you see, that, yeah. I would kind of agree with what you're saying. Um, okay. That what essentially what you're saying is the nice, I'm saying people don't give a shit about what their beliefs. And then you pass out my harsh terminology into like a very nice uh, <laughs> reason, reasoned, example of what i think i'm trying to get at so okay that's just i don't know why so i've noticed something when i was like looking up at you is most people like well not most sorry not most people but a lot of people have beef with you (laughs) i have no idea why 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 do people not like why do people like i know (laughs) i don't get it isn't that funny i'm so easy to get on with too it's ridiculous i am just very canadian I'm the most Canadian and I like, I have a decent like disposition. So like I can take a fair bit, but I also, I'm not interested in anybody's shit. Right. So, yeah. so I mean, I'll, I'm, I, I love having a good conversation and sussing out ideas. And I love talking to people who are diametrically opposed to me mm. um, and, and working out, you know, better way to have those types of dialogues. But there are some instances where you just can't have a conversation with somebody. And many of those instances to me, like what flicks my bitch switch is bigotry. I don't have oh. the time to other people may. Mm. I don't have the time to to mess around with bigots. I, I have mm. all I have all day to tell bigots off. I will do that 100 percent of the time, <laughs> but mm. I don't have time to to reason Um Mm. with bigots i just don't i don't have the patience for it other people do that's great good for them i don't um Mm. i'll talk about ideas all day but i think that that's where a lot of it comes from because i tend to come um face to face with several of them um through twitter or through hosting call-in shows or just you know appearing around and i tend to tell them off and then hang up on them because they can go fuck themselves so that leaves a bad taste in some people's mouths (laughs) (laughs) because they think that I should sit there and reason with them. And Mm. um, I don't have time to give 
because there's another consideration, right? Another consideration is most of the time I'm on exceptionally large platforms. Mm. And if I'm taking the time, and it's usually a call-in environment where I've got limited time, right? Mm. So like, there's just a snippet of time that I have to have a conversation with this person. And there's also another person involved in the conversation as well. So it's a three-way conversation, which already isn't ideal. Um, like you make the best of it, but it's not ideal if you really want to suss out and work through a topic. Um, so if somebody who's just there to spoke bigoted nonsense is calling in, like about, you know, saying trans women aren't women or saying that women shouldn't have bodily autonomy or like, you know, saying slavery was fine in the Bible, all that shit. I, I don't, you would need a long form conversation to work through all of the things that are wrong with that. And there's just Mm. not the time to, to reason with them. So all I would be doing is giving them a platform to for between two to ten minutes to just unassailed say their shit without me having enough time to counter Mm. because one thing you'll find out as you're going through and i'm sure you found it already is that it takes 300 times longer to debunk somebody's bullshit than it does for you to just take through 30 seconds and say some bullshit like Mm. you have to do all the all of the more there's way more work on the back end of that, picking it apart to prove why it's wrong than it takes for somebody to just say it. So when mm. somebody calls in to be a bigot, I'm not giving you my platform to do it. I do not have the time to explain to you why you're wrong. I certainly don't have the time to reason you through it and have a good dialogue. So what I would be doing is just allowing you to have this space to perpetuate those ideas. And you don't get that mm. from me. Other people might have more patience, but I fucking don't. I'm not your daisy. Call somebody else. So mm. I think that annoys people. <laughs> I think I think you're I think you may be right in in some aspects. Um, it's I've been dealing with some really racist flat earthers recently, and I I I knew that the person was a bad faith actor. Like they they weren't they weren't going to change their mind. They weren't interested in the truth. They just had they had a message, and they were they were trying to get it out. So when I had that, they jumped onto a, a Discord call with me, and I just basically. I acted in extreme bad faith as well. Like I just, I essentially made fun of them, laughed at them, kind of like sent them on their way. They rage quit after 13 minutes mm-hmm. um, of me just laughing at the, the or whatever. Um, I'm still on the, I'm still on the fence about whether that content is like worth um, putting out, but at the same time um, to engage with someone like that, um, you almost need to do it in private because their ideas kind of get out there. Like as soon as I put that video out, I had a few people on my Discord saying, "Well, actually, you know, the Jews do have a lot of um, you know, um, power no. in the media." And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm, I started, I started just banning people. Oh, um, someone joined the server, and um, immediately after I banned someone, someone else, and I said, um, I said, "Hey, friend," um, the Discord server. I said, "Hey, friend, how do you feel about the Jews?" <laughs> and they like, "That's a weird, that's a broad question." So, <laughs> mm, I was like. You, you know, like it's it's really very strange too for us in Australia is is like we don't even like it's for for me like Jews aren't even like an like an ethnic group that we kind of see as like like I, I would see someone like oh you're Jewish oh cool like it would be like I've got Scottish heritage or I've got it's not a, not a it's not as like like aggressive as it is it seems to be like in other countries which is um, which is uh, good I think um, but but. Um, but one of the things, just touching back on one of the things you did say about um, like bigot, bigotry when it comes to transgenderism and stuff, mm. I think 
if I can play absolute devil's advocate for the transphobe, right, if I can, like, try and um, ex- probably explain maybe where they're getting some of their frustration from, and I don't, I'm not by any means, I'm not transphobic at all. I love my trans people. Um, but I think what happens is the issue, and I don't have an answer to this, but there seems to be an issue when it comes to if you, there's a whole spectrum of ideas in the trans space, right? Like how, like, you know, prescribing kids medicine and blah, 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 blah. And I, for the most part, I just believe we should do what the doctors say that we should do, right? Like, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, and I'm very uninformed um, as another thing. So I, I try and stay out of it um, as much as possible. But the one thing that I noticed is if you do have an opposing view on anything to do with um, transgenderism or something, or if like, if you say like anything that is contrary to the narrative around transgenderism, you will be called a transphobe and kind of ostracized from that community. So it it blocks down conversations from from happening. Where are you noticing that's happening? Like, where do you think that's happening and where you oh mainly 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 on like online discourse um and stuff but just to just to find just to put a pin in that just quickly because i need Mm. to get this last point out because otherwise it looks bad for me but the point the point is essentially i think that is almost a necessity because there are so many bad faith actors that come in and ask questions like that ask questions to just um, provoke the audience but then i think what's happening there are people who are very uninformed and they come into a conversation wanting to literally, they've heard some racist transphobic ideology and they're wanting to literally like ask a serious question. And then they're getting branded as like a transphobe and told like, and like ostracized from the community. And I'm worried sometimes, um, I think you have to do it because <laughs> it's hard because I think you have to do it. You have to ostracize these people because most of them are bad faith actors and you have to just say like, fuck off with your transphobia. Um, sorry, stop barking in the background. That's okay. Um, you have to say like fuck off the transphobia because that's i think that's the best thing to do but at the same time i worry that that pushes them into the arms of like the alt-right do you know what i mean yeah i i I get what you mean Mm. the concern if 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 i'm understanding you correctly the concern is if somebody comes in and isn't a bad faith actor Mm. but has and is just uninformed and yeah. is you know b- potentially ignorant of the topic and has been Im- Im- you know imbued with some bad ideas and is legitimately asking because mm. they want to be better mm. um somebody may assume they're a bad faith actor because they look just like any other bad faith actor that's yeah. been, you know trojan horsing their way into communities to abuse people so people preemptively mm. assume that they're transphobic um and then block them and then that feeds a feedback loop that that person Mm. now thinks oh okay well everybody was right about these these leftists and their transgender agenda and they are just canceling people and shutting everybody down and that Mm. and that means that you know everybody was right about them the the alt-right is there with open arms saying come here brother oh yes i know we know what you feel like yes they are bad okay so i get i i get what you're saying i do get Mm. what you're saying but the problem with that is, is that that narrative is a narrative that's put forth by people who want to create that feedback loop, right? Mm. That feedback loop only exists because these people are so consistently abused. They're so consistently abused, and also they don't owe an expl—they don't owe anybody an explanation for their existence. Yeah, they that, don't. That's what I'm, 
That's so what like, I'm it's saying. It's not is, is... their job to explain mm. to every person, ignorant and well-intentioned or otherwise, mm. um, why their existence is okay. Because it's actually none of their mm. business anyway. The only reason that it's popular in discourse is because there's people who are bigoted against them making it popular in discourse, stirring up all of this nonsense, mm. and then pointing people in their direction and then when they inevitably get just fucking exhausted and yeah. need to protect themselves because they're constantly being hurled abuse and it's almost impossible to discern who is or isn't a good faith actor and they need to preserve mm -hmm. themselves because at the same time you need to remember that also their rights are under attack on a yeah. massive scale mm. um and then it, they get blamed yeah. because, well, if you don't just swing your door wide open so that people, like everybody can shoot whatever arrows they want at you because there might be a chance that one or two of them actually may learn something. Mm. I mean, that's that's not a fair expectation to have of a human being that, well, if you if you don't allow this to happen to yourself, then it's your fault people are turning mm. to... People are becoming biggest. Like the, people have their own individual autonomy and yeah. are capable of making their own decisions. And also there's all kinds of information available that they can be directed to. They don't mm. need to interact directly with these people. Um, because mm. they don't owe they're they're just trying to live their lives. They didn't yeah. want to be activists, just existing made them activists because people mm. are attacking them. That's not it's not a fair expectation. It's so, I know, and it's this is what I'm saying, is it's it's a frustrating situation because you you would agree that there's probably some damage in in having to do, but there's no other option. Like it's like it's almost like um like shutting down any discourse. Let's say one in a hundred people are good faith actors, and they're just trying to get to the bottom of something. Mm -hmm. Shutting down shutting it down for the sake of the ninety nine causes damage to that one person because they might get pushed into the old right. Right. But you have to do it because there are so many bad faith actors that come in who are who are trying to push like really hurtful narratives and these like i feel really sorry for it, it it seems to me it seems to me that the 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 transgender community is the new like let's attack kind of group yeah. right like in the 70s in the 70s well i guess in australia anyway in, in the 70s and the 80s homosexuality was the big like you know like that's the one that everyone like had problems with um and and now, for the most part, I'm glad that we got same-sex marriage in Australia. I'm glad that you know, people like I, I, I'm a trans, um, I'm an LGBT ally. I, I'm glad of that. But it's like now, people have shifted from LGBT LGB issues to like now transgender is the next thing that like all the boomers are angry about and want to like, you know, uh, don't don't understand. And it's so frustrating that there are groups of people that have to live like this, like live under this, like, I can't imagine what it's like to have to defend your, your personhood, like almost every day. Like, yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. And like to have the onus thrown on you too, that like, if you, if, if you are not just, you know, constantly open to defending yourself to anybody who comes across you and has questions about why you are who you are and why you deserve to exist without being interfered with, um, it's just, could you imagine, could you imagine? Mm. And then, and then having people say, well, if you, if you go into self-preservation mode, 
then that's you sending the message that everybody was right about you. So either get yeah. get on, grab your shield and your sword and start defending yourself or, you know, it's, mm. <laughs> it's your fault that people are going to consistently be shooting arrows at you if you don't constantly have a shield in your hand. Like that's, it's, mm. it's not fair. It's just not fair. Like, and I get the point. I really do that there are good intentioned people, but there are also resources out there that are so readily available to direct them to that they can mm. actually, if they did give a fuck and were well-intentioned and were honest inter interlocutors, they, they can do their own research. There's so much available, mm. like, and there's so many people who are willing to direct you to resources. Um, well, you can read, section, like people don't know that to you. If this section ends up in the final interview, I will link to a bunch of resources in the description. So if anyone's actually interested in learning about transgenderism and um, those issues, they can um, look at the resources in the description. So, cause I think it's it's important to, when there's so much harm that's being caused to a group, certain community, you should be very well versed before you even begin to you know, think about your opinion about a certain matter. You should be very well educated in those, those things. I agree. Um, mm. Totally agree. Um, I hope it does make it in because it's an important message to I think so. And enjoy yeah, your comment so. section because I'm here talking <laughs> about the trans community. And if there's anything that I know, that makes for a real interesting comment section. <laughs> oh, oh, great. Um, that's good. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just be blocking a bunch of people again. So that'd be good. Um, I'm, I'm currently, I'm currently, um, I'm currently, if I'm currently blocking a lot of, not blocking, but like muting a bunch of, um, uh racist like anti-semitic anti-semitic people the only people i'll let pass in my comment sections are people that are so stupid that it makes their message look bad so oh yeah <laughs> so, someone someone i did this video where i um i i said the name of every single god it took me four and a half hours i read out the name of every single god um in one go and yeah oh well, I, it was kind it of, it was kind of yeah, it was. And, and I was such a purist that I wouldn't let myself get up and get a glass of water. So I had this little glass. I was like sipping it every now and again. To, my throat was Swallowing your own spit over Yeah, it. I didn't have any spit. I was so like, wow. and by the end, by the end, I was saying the word saint, but I was saying slash because I was so disorientated and just like, mm -hmm. just dead. But it's kind of cheating too, because I said like, you know, um, Mahala Babo, uh, the, the, the African god of blah, blah, blah. Like, so like I would say like the description as well. So I guess it'd be less if you didn't say the description of what God it was, but mm. it took four and a half hours. And someone said, um, this white supremacist, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're white supremacists from how they're commenting and stuff. Anti-Semitic dude started saying, um, I believe in the one true God. All these other gods are fake. And I said, which God? <laughs> and I said, I don't, and I said, and he goes, oh, the one true God. And I said, yeah, which one, which one? And he goes, I don't understand what you mean. I'm telling you, I believe in God. I'm like, yeah. So which one of the one of the the four thousand that I read out or whatever, like, yeah, what, which, which which one, one was it? And he's like, I'm not understanding your question. I'm like, I know you aren't, buddy, but like, I'm leaving this comment. I here wonder for if he even knows see. that he meant Yahweh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He probably didn't even know think, he meant Yahweh. No, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did want to, um, I did want to jump into, uh, neuroscience and okay, I'll get another drink then. Let's see how I do yeah. on two glasses of rum talking yeah, about okay. brain science. Um, well actually we do have, okay. All right, I didn't know I'll, there was going to you... be a test. Uh, well, I actually, I actually <laughs> have, I have another to test. label neuroanatomy? <laughs> I have, I have another test for you and I'll, oh, I'll let you choose. I'll let you choose, um, which one you want to do. Do okay. we want to dive into the neuroscience and conscious discussion? 
Or do okay. we want to leave that and first do, because we will do it still, Okay. what I call the rapid fire checkmate atheist Q&A. Oh, so what that is... Is I'm going to give you. I'm I'm going to give you. I'll give you three minutes. I'll give you three minutes, and I'm going to read out questions, and you're going to see how many you can get through. Um, of like the classic. I'll I'll give you one. Um, Oh, I am not uh, good at being succinct. This is going to be awful. You've got to. You've got to just give like the quickest answer. So, for example, um, uh, like it'll be like um, um, I'll give you one. Like evolution is just a theory, and then you've got to like go. Like you got to like give a quick yeah. answer and then get to the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know so what theory means that's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect answer, perfect answer. Yeah. So which one do you want to start with? Do we want to leave the rapid fire for after we've had a bit more alcohol or do we want to jump into the neuroscience? Now which I'm curious serve... about the rapid fire. All right, so, let's can do Can we do the rapid, rapid fire? fire? Okay, yeah, I'm curious now. Okay. <laughs> so I got three right. minutes. I'm going to get a... um. Time ago. Jesus Christ, three minutes per question usually isn't enough for me. I never shut the fuck up. All right. <laughs> I'll do so what I can the, do. So just so you know, there are 13 questions. Um, Shit. Some okay. of them are easy, some of them are hard. Is this a competition? Did anybody had did anybody make it through all 13? <laughs> hey, it might be, it might be, but to be honest, um, I was running out of like, I mean, I'm sure there's more, but it, it was hard to Google. What do you um, hate God? <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm not gonna say anything. Okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, so these are the checkmate atheist rapid fire questions. Okay, so you have three minutes, um, okay. and uh, I'll say the first one, and I'll start it. You say you don't believe in God. How do you explain sunsets? <laughs> these are real questions, the by world, the way. The world turns, <laughs> and we go to the other side. <laughs> okay, where do you get your morals from? Uh, my cognition and okay. general societal mores. Why and uh, why do you hate God? Because uh, he one. took everything from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't seashells on the top of mountains prove Noah's Ark? Uh, not if you believe in plate tectonics. <laughs> <laughs> what about the second law of thermodynamics? Uh, it depends on uh, not a closed system, but I, I don't know. I'm not a physicist. That's good. Uh, if we came from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? Uh, because there are cousins, the same reasons, <laughs> the same <laughs> reason that if you came from your grandparents, you can still have, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins. Uh, what if you're wrong? Then I, I don't think I am. <laughs> <laughs> but what if you're wrong? It's Pascal's wager. Well, if then, then God is as much of a dick as people say he is, then I guess. <laughs> you just have to have faith. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, where are the transitional fossils? They were in the ground. So there's probably still more there, but we dug a bunch of them up, and most of them are in museums, books, and on the internet. Evolution is just a theory. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. If you know what theory means, then that's a good thing. So, so is gravity. <laughs> okay, cool. Relating to the Big Bang Theory, where did the exploding star come from? It wasn't a star that exploded, so I don't really feel like answering questions that make no sense. <laughs> that's a real that's a real question. Um we have only we have found only one Lucy. Um when when we have found when we have sorry. I want that time oh back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we have only found one Lucy. Um, why have we only found one of what? Why is there more than one of everything else? 
we found many Australopithecus afarensis, which is what Lucy is. That Lucy just refers to the first one. So read more books. Oh. Okay. The Bible says that true Christians will be hated and persecuted by the world. Doesn't your content prove this point? <laughs> what? Point to anything hateful that I said about true Christians. All you guys are constantly telling me the people I'm talking about aren't the real Christians. You're the real Christians. And that's why it doesn't apply to you. So pick a fucking lane, I guess. <laughs> so you've passed it. You've done all 13 questions in two minutes. Yes. yes. Good job. Good job. That's so good. <laughs> Oh, jeez! It was some yes. of like, some of these I was writing down, and I was like, I was trying to like fix the grammar or make the argument a little better for them, and I was like, no, just put down what they asked. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> like, um, uh, what was one of them? Um, if we came from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? Um, I think there's meant to be an are there? Why are there still monkeys? Yeah, anyway, why still are there monkeys? Why still monkeys? And why still if monkeys? We monkey, yeah. Why still monkey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's a fun one. Hey. Uh, cool. So, well, you did well. Great job. Rapid Don't fire. Well, check, to be, check, we'll see when check. we watch back how, what your definition of well is. Two checkmate runs in. Checkmate <laughs> atheists. That's right. Destro <laughs> atheism destroyed. Atheism destroyed. <laughs> um, I should start labeling my um my videos that like like you know how you can see those really like rare footage destroys atheism or like something like you're like it's not rare it's on YouTube now like, it's not there anymore <laughs> anyway uh sorry I've gotten a bit delirious from the alcohol let's jump back into the conversation or let's start the conversation around neuroscience and consciousness cool. so. I don't know anything about this. I'd love for you to inform me. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about like, I was hoping you could inform me on like how consciousness works in regards to like, obviously there's a hard problem with consciousness, but you're a physicalist, right? So you believe that it's probably most likely coming from the brain. Is that correct? Okay, cool. So I have some, um, a, 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 an uncle who I sent your video and he's a non-dualist. Um, essentially he, he believes that's the eastern thought and funny enough he said that you were a very uh you, you seemed very switched on and, and and great person and you you like he, he really liked you which is good so you, you oh, don't have not, yeah not everyone I need hates more of those <laughs> yeah um but i'm i'm gonna try to do my best to also um posit some other ideas around souls and awareness but first i'd like to first touch on um neuroscience and consciousness so cool Hit me. Give us a crash course in in science. neuroscience and consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I'm not, uh, you know, ostentatious enough to think that I have all the answers. There still mm. is always going to be a problem. Well, I, I shouldn't say always, but there still is currently a problem, like which is what like David Chalmers calls it the hard problem of consciousness. And that problem is like, why is there anything that it is like to be any individual piece of matter and we're undeniably comprised of matter so mm. why is it that there is something unique it is to be like us and not you know my cell phone or you know this can of not the of cola that <laughs> with mm. no particular brand name um <laughs> so that that is always a thing i don't find it as difficult to reconcile the more I look into how the brain works and how brain regions operate and the more I read and listen about the brain um 
the less that seems like an issue to me, well, I mean, it's still an issue, but the less I feel like it's ultimately insurmountable and the more it seems trivially silly to me to posit other things because we okay. can um, so clearly and easily demonstrate things like localization of function. And we know like right down to the microscopic level, what causes any individual neuron to fire and then what chemicals that neuron is attached to, what brain regions it's interconnected with. And then, you know, what that firing is going to ultimately result in. And we know if we remove neurons or remove regions, what functions or parts of cognition and a perceptual and perceptual abilities we're going to either augment or lose. Um, so it doesn't make sense to me for it to be anything but the brain. It seems to be multiplying entities to me um, from a hypothesis building perspective to to posit anything else and i don't think that it has any knowledge content because you can't really study it either mm. um so saying well it's some sort of you know thing external to us that's interacting with our brain like how how would you how mm. how would you quantify that in any meaningful way uh it's mm. just an assertion to me and then there's the interaction problem i have a problem with panpsychism because there's this coalescence problem so yeah i'm writing Sorry, any, i don't know go ahead <laughs> uh, i'm writing notes because um a little bit because of the alcohol but mainly because i want to remember questions to ask you because okay so did you did you start did you start as a christian believing in the soul like 100 percent, absolutely yep okay was there like a do you, and i take it you don't believe in the soul now right mm-hmm I don't even think it's possible. Yeah, that's because in the don't Christian have a soul. conceptualization of it, I don't think it's possible. Okay, interesting, interesting. So, can you can you um, give me a um, so what what caused you to change your opinion um, with the soul to like did it, was there something that happened? Is something you learned in neuroscience that you ATP synthase production? production in any individual neuronal mitochondria um opening sodium and potassium ion channels on the neuronal cell membrane to allow transmission through diffusion back and forth in order to create the action potential for any individual neuron to fire to release the neurochemicals required for us to even have this conversation so that's what did it so, for me <laughs> yeah so I obviously understand all of that, but for my audience, they might not. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. <laughs> I know that this is a redundant conversation for you. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit bored to be honest because I've, I've heard a little bit more. Um, in fact, uh, you know. So okay. but, but for my That's audience, what did it like, for me though. So yeah, that and uh, studying Broca's and Fornicke's area, which have to do with speech production and Phineas Gage. But this is this was the nail in the coffin for me. Um, mm -hmm. So. Everything that happens in our brain happens due to neuronal firing, right? So a neuron in your brain is like a, a teeny tiny cell. And that teeny tiny cell has a bunch of axons that come out of it. And those axons are like long strings that are wrapped in an insulated material called myelin. And uh, they 
communicate with one another in your brain through electrochemical means. So in order for them to fire, there needs to be like a mild electrical signal that's called an action potential that initiates their firing. And when they fire, they send a signal down that axon that goes to the synapse. And the synapse is where one axon, like the end of an axon, like the dendrites, will connect to through like a synaptic cleft, another neuron, and they'll send a little chemical like a serotonin or a dopamine or norepinephrine or like multiple types of little chemicals that happen in your brain that each do different things to another neuron. And that's how all of the little neurons in your brain talk to one another so that we can do things like move and operate our eyes and you know, taste things and feel things. There's neurons even in our skin, right? We have things called nociceptors and that are in our skin that are that are also neurons that are like longer that go into our spine. But that's that's how we experience and feel and think of everything, right? All of those we can track that happen through neuronal firing. And we can augment that through drugs and stuff. But in order for that neuron to fire, it needs to have that action potential. So we're back to the action potential, which is what creates the electrical impulse for that neuron to fire, to release the chemicals, to start that chain reaction so that your brain and your brain is doing that billions of times a minute, right? Like it just lights right up. In order for that to happen, there needs to be a specific concentration on either side of the cell. So inside this, inside the neuron and outside the neuron, there needs to be a very specific concentration of sodium and potassium ions. And if that concentration reaches a specific threshold and the mitochondria, and because the neurons like any other cell, it has a mitochondria inside of it. If that mitochondria produces a chemical called ATP, that ATP, what like once it reaches a threshold, that, that mitochondria will produce a chemical called ATP and that'll open a channel and that channel allows the sodium and potassium ions, once they reach that threshold, to pass back and forth between the cell membrane. And when that happens, it creates the action potential for that electrical impulse to, to tell that cell to, to fire and create a signal. Right. Now, why that destroyed the concept of the soul for me is because if we know that that neuronal firing um, is what causes everything. It's what causes movement. It's what causes sensation. It's what causes perception. It's what, it's what causes thought. We know all of these things. Um, how does the soul put a specific amount of sodium and potassium ions on either side of a cell membrane and then get a mitochondria to produce ATP at any given time? Mm. So it's like you'd have to imagine literally a soul physically moving things is that what you're saying yeah like it would need yeah. to have little sodium and potassium ion tweezers and go okay well now we want to think about jesus and move them all through the brain and that would need to be happening at such a rapid fire pace throughout the entirety of the brain the soul would need to mm. be able to do this that it seems to me that it would be perceptible through things like mri like you mm. would literally see or it would need to be, or a soul would need, need to be able to pop these things into and out of existence materially mm. in our mm. head. Neither one of those seem plausible to me. So how does a soul exactly interact with the brain? I think so many people look at the brain and they just think of it as, you know, the soul, the brain just feels stuff. They don't look at it down to the, like the very 
finite minutia of the material mm. processes that are actually taking place. So it seems plausible that a soul is probably doing stuff, right? Because your brain, it's like, maybe it just, you know, gives you a feeling and a feeling is something that's not quantifiable. Well, a feeling kind of is at least locatable. Like yeah. we know, <laughs> we, yeah, know it's like we know the brain region that's going to cause it. And we know that those neurons need to fire in order to elicit it. That's a thing mm. that happens materially in the physical world. So and it's like, it's, it's similar to like when, you know, someone would die and then it's clear, like someone's, you know, someone's there and then they die and then, mm -hmm. and then you, it's like, they're no longer there. Right. And so you can, you, it, it, from, from everyone else, like, it's like he was here or she was here and now she's not here. And it's like, it's very, it's very easy to jump to the, the thought that there must be something inside them that is left because they're not here anymore. They mm -hmm. must be gone. So like, you can see how like these ideas create ideas like souls or like these, these experiences create things like souls and stuff. Cause it's an easy way or the best way at the time to try and explain why this person was doing something. And then now is not doing something. They're gone now. Yeah. Um, but so in regards to like, let's think about Jesus and, you know, click, 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 click. What, what is the, what is the naturalist perspective or the physicalists or the neuroscience perspective of what's actually causing that? Let's think about Jesus. Like, is there, is there, so, so someone might say the soul is turning on all those switches, right? To mm -hmm. think about Jesus or think about something. Um, what is the naturalist perspective? Why is that happening? Like, why is that happening in the first place? Confluence of things. So it's predisposition. Like there's there, there's aspects of neuroanatomy that are absolutely predispositioned genetically. There's aspects that are related to your current contextual environment. There's aspects that are related to your past environment because your brain is a, like it's a it's a pattern producing and recognizing machine right there, we form mm. memories so that we can formulate better ways to do things by comparing what we're, our current circumstances against previous circumstances and measuring outcomes so the past also influences whether or not you are going to be thinking about jesus in the present you're diet affects your brain more than you might realize like there's a reason what we're drinking alcohol right now the reason it makes us feel a certain kind of way is because it's impacting our brain. Mm. So that's going to impact our memory of this. We may have a memory of this that is it's better than it otherwise might have been because we're both eliciting a pleasurable response <laughs> when we were at. We may have hated each other otherwise. We don't know, right? But this is a thing like what we imbibe also has an impact, mm. especially when you consider that a lot of the things that you eat actually help to formulate a lot of the neurochemicals like tryptophan actually is a like which you find in a lot of things like uh, like milk and turkey and stuff like that um actually is a is a huge huge component in producing your endogenous serotonin in your brain so your diet affects things like that so mm. i don't think it's as simple as just saying well you have the type of brain because people want to look at it i think and think that, okay, well, your brain is X way and therefore it's going to produce Y thing. And we should be able mm -hmm. to predict that reliably. But the problem is that you live in a very fluid and dynamic reality where 
you can't always control what you're exposed to, what other people are going to say to you, what other mm. people are going to do to you, what what it, perceptions are going to be presented in front in front of you, how those are going to interact with your previous perceptions, your current mind state at that point in time, like whether or not you're hungry, whether or not you're sad, whether like all of those things feed into what you think about at any given moment. It's an incredibly dynamic and complex and beautiful and amazing and interesting and fascinating process um, mm. that you can't just say, well, you think of Jesus because you were exposed to church and it's just that simple. No, for any individual yeah, person, there's... it could be like, it could be myriad other things that you're not aware of. Right. I've heard so individual. The... I've heard the hypothesis that uh, maybe it was Derek from Myth Vision. I was watching the interview that you guys did where Paul was um, Paul was persecuting Christians and they were standing so much up for their faith and stuff and he was killing mm -hmm. them or whatever. And um, that caused him to have that, when he had that, that seizure um, on the road to Damascus or what we can assume is a seizure or something, mm -hmm. that he saw Jesus because that was what his brain did. Uh, could be an idea. It, is could the, be a guilt-induced hallucination. Yeah, it could be. It could be. Is um, but I mean, we don't know. But no, you'll never know. You're just positing like, something that you could never know. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we do here. Yeah, um, that's right. Is 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 it almost like weather? Like where weather is like there's a billion trillion because so many variables mm -hmm. to like we can tell generally where like it's it might rain in this location. There's a likelihood it might rain, but we have no idea about how many raindrops will fall, where that'll fall, like all these things, because there's too many I love many that analogy. Yeah. That is, is a like really that? good analogy. Yeah. I had not heard that before, but I love that analogy. I made it up. I made it I up love thanks it. to the rum. Yeah. <laughs> so is no, it, is I'm, it... I'll steal that. I'll give you credit for it yeah. though when I use it. Oh, that's awesome. That is, that's great. Because by the same token, like one individual thing, um, could change that too. Like you could say, like, I've got a very clear pr prediction on the path, this like hurricane or rainstorm or whatever is going to take. And there could be a forest fire somewhere else that ends up interacting with it. Right. And then it mm. changes the trajectory of the things that you were anticipating. Like yeah. there's, there's so, there's so much nuanced minutiae and, and so many simultaneous interactions and so many things outside of your control that impact you externally that attempting to, to it's, it's almost silly to think that you could point to like any one like little pinpoint of the brain and say, well, mm. this is the, this is the place the soul resides or whatever. Because it's this, con this constantly interacting, interwoven matrix of incredibly dynamic and constantly moving components that are always changing based on inputs, outputs, environmental factors. It, it's it's ever-evolving and constantly mm. in motion and never it never stops. But people want things in this tight little package. Mm. And I just trying to but, write it all off to a like a soul just, just does such a disservice to me and it ignores like that that is us and mm. knowing more about it than we do now is like so imperative and beautiful and important because it is us mm. and distracting from it by arguing about why it isn't mm. because this 
thing that I can't demonstrate that I can maybe find some philosophical evidence for if I try hard enough, but even that would be refutable just distracts from how Mm. fascinating and beautiful and wonderful and interesting and important that is Mm. so much so that it drives me a little bit bonkers really to be honest Mm. with you. (laughs) But is, is, is it almost like, is it almost like, so with the weather, we can predict large things. Like we can predict it's probably going to rain here. Right? Yeah. We can predict it with a certain amount of accuracy. Mm-hmm. And so is it like, if we cut out this section of the brain, this probably will happen here. Like, is it 100%. stuff like that? Or... Look at so, aphasias. Yeah, okay. Like, aphasias are an amazing example of that. I thought you like... said erasure, like the band that sings that. Um, <laughs> no, 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 aphasia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Obviously, I know what you're talking about. Aphasia. So, okay. aphasias are the... So... How do I explain aphasia? So Wernicke's area. Now. <laughs> no. So there's two areas in your brain called Broca's and Wernicke's area, and they help you understand and process speech. They're usually and they're and they're lateral. They're only on one side of your brain. It's one of the only regions that's really like that that we know for certain. Um, and they're usually on your left hand side. Um, one of them is in the temporal lobe and one of them's like really close prefrontal. I think Broca's is really close prefrontal and Warnicke's is towards the back of the temporal lobe. Um, and it's usually contralateral and, and we're contralateral, right? So if you're right-handed, it's probably going to be on your left-hand side because that's your dominant side of your brain. If you're left-handed, it's probably going to be on the right-hand side because that's going to be the dominant side of your brain. Uh, so for most people, it's on the left-hand side. Now, if you damage Warnicke's area, um, your ability to process speech just becomes just basically like not like you're, you're, you're not going to make any sense when you're talking <laughs> to people like these aphasia, like you and predictably. So like a hundred percent of the time, if you damage this specific area, that's a thing that's going to happen. So we, we know that for certain, for certain, for certain, we know that if we um, damage specific areas of your prefrontal lobe, like your ventrolateral prefrontal cortex, which is like on the bottom side of your prefrontal cortex, we know that you're going to probably become more aggressive because that's part of the brain that helps to integrate emotional responses into information processing and decision making. So you're going to kind of like bypass the empathetic component of your decision making processes and maybe be a little bit more risk-taking and aggressive because you're not comparing it against previously uh, negative or positive emotional experiences and you're acting more on impulse. Like Mm -hmm. we can predict a lot of these things, not just, you know, from a processing perspective and like a perceptual perspective, but from like a behavioral perspective. Mm -hmm. We know that there's certain things that are going to happen if we affect different regions of the brain in different ways. Right. I've heard I've heard stories about like people like killing their family members or something, and then they did an autopsy on them and found there was a tumor pressing on that part of it. Like their personality switched over a few months, and then they end up committing yep. some horrible crimes. And it was because, yep. well, we can hypothesize it was because of a tumor um, pressing on a certain part of the brain, which is so weird to me. If it, it almost feels like. Um, like uh, Frankenstein's monster, where it's like, you know, stick nail here, put electric in here, and does thing. Like, it just seems so... Well, I think the weather analogy is actually good, because I think it's it's like you can't... Oh, it's great. You can't, I'm so smart. 
really you are no i'm i'm absolutely <laughs> i love it i'm jealous Sorry. i didn't think of it myself but yeah no it's, that's no. great that's really good um yeah yeah I, I do have a just just a quick aside i need to know this okay um are left-handed people just trying to get attention <laughs> because Paul's like left so like, and he hates attention up. <laughs> grow up they should you know like <laughs> grow up it's 2020 so. it's 2022 all right i think there's some actual efficacy <laughs> okay. to the science behind people oh. people having dominant hands uh, yeah seems to be the yeah. case um so just to also so that was a little derail i'm going to derail us even more but i'm going to try and bring us back to consciousness Party. but is is it is it possible that okay so so would you say you're a determinist? Oh yeah, I'd like, say so probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so so am I. Um mm -hmm. how does that work then? I have an answer and if you don't have an answer, don't make one up, like just say so you don't have an answer. I but... don't. I just <laughs> no. Okay. But but no no, but in regards to like free will, right? Uh -huh. if, if being a determinist, like how how do we punish someone for a crime if they had no other option but to commit that crime? I don't, I don't, I think that that's a weird way to frame it because okay. saying that you had no other option, but to commit that crime means that in the time that it took place, you didn't have a choice and you didn't choose to do what you did. Um, and that I, you objectively did choose to do what you did. Just saying that mm. that was, that was bound to happen given all of the variables in the universe coalescing in that moment um, doesn't negate the fact that that person made a choice and also the fact that all of those environmental components continue on forward in time means that seeing the impact and feeling the consequences of that and seeing what that punishment is like for that person mm -hmm. is going to have ripple effects onto the future because it's going to influence and add to um, the, the perceptions that people have going forward uh about that crime yeah. and also that person especially if you believe in some sort of rehabilitative rehabilitation as opposed to just strict justice is punishment fuck this guy mm -hmm. like if you believe that rehabilitation is possible then that is a component of the punishment in order to make that person a better person means that you're going to continuously inject more influences into the interactions in their life mm that are going to make them better and hopefully teach them and others why it's wrong and learn from it. So I, I, I don't see that as a problem. I see it as a cop-out that people use because they think it's a gotcha so that they can say, oh, we have libertarian free will. Because if we didn't have libertarian free will, justice couldn't exist. Checkmate atheists. And mm. I think that that's um, I don't, just a I don't know fear what... argument. Yeah, I don't know what libertarian free will, free will, free will means. Um, I'm not as smart as I thought I, I thought I was a second ago. But um, my where I land with this, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that that free will is an illusion. So we have to act as if 
act as if free will exists. Like, I can't just be like, well, free will doesn't exist, so it's not punching holes in the wall behind me. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like, I, I, I don't want holes in the wall, so I'm not going to punch holes in the wall, right? Right. Or something. I don't know why I chose that example. That's kind of weird. The rum. It's the rum. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> gets me aggressive. Ruined your life. So, yeah. Um, so, but if I was to imagine, like, uh, you know, a rock, falling down a hill. I don't know if you've heard this analogy. And like, if it rolls down the hill, if we know every single variable, like the wind speed, the things it's going to collide with, the friction of its surface, the um, gravity scale, all those kind of things, we can predict with 100% certainty exactly where it's going to land. It, it, let's ignore quantum randomness for a second because I know that there's like, you know, let's just pretend that doesn't exist for a second. Okay. In a world without quantum randomness or whatever, like someone says, like particles pop in. Okay, well, that's what I'm talking about. So, like, we could predict it going down the hill, like, right? And you could you could do, run a million times over and it would land in the same spot. My understanding of brains, and I'm totally willing to be correct on this, is that it's a sim essentially a much more complex version of a rock and a hill. Um, and there's just a million things, and everything around us is environmental. Um, and where I landed with the whole, how do we get off on punishing people or, or for things like that is. I think that we, I think that this is that in that people don't have free will necessarily, but we have to act as if they have free will in order to keep a functioning society going. So, like, we, we have to like go, okay, like, you know, like the, the, the situation in the universe determinism leads us to know that you did that horrible thing, but we have to act as if you had free choice in order to, because otherwise if we just, the alternative is like society is almost pushing back against nature, right? It's like, it's building houses. So we get out of the wind. It's um, creating law. So we don't, so we can, you know, keep good people safe and bad people on like in prison or whatever or rehabilitate things so mm -hmm. we build we build these things pushing against nature and i would put determinism almost in that in that but but society is one big farce in a way it's <clears> one <throat> big like non-thing i can't point to anything in like the natural world and say that is society it's a subjective thing that we've built on top of like like you know people say survival of the fittest when they're talking about like refugees or whatever like coming to australia uh, and which I say, isn't like, even what it fucking means That's yeah me i know yeah, i know massive. and it's like and it's like we shouldn't we shouldn't be designing society on survival of the fittest we should be designing so especially since that happens on the species level also yeah, motherfuckers yeah, yeah. not the individual yeah. level yeah so. and it's it's annoying too because it's like it's like we we don't design societies around survival of the fittest. We actually society is 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 a pushback against the harshness of nature and reality and things yeah. like like we put sunscreen on so we don't get skin cancer from the the thing that literally gives this planet life. Like there are things that we do to negate natural, like to negate things and make things more comfortable for us in a subjective way. Yeah. Um, I hope I'm making sense. I'm gonna no, look back. No, that's, at this that, that's insightful, going, actually. That's insightful. Um, I like I like the way that you're thinking about that. Yeah, because yeah, no, I like that. I like the rock down the hill analogy because the rock has no choice but to move down the hill. But that doesn't mean that you would like you wouldn't if you saw it barreling towards a child and had the opportunity to stop it. That doesn't mean that you wouldn't be like, oh well, that's just rocks just gonna rock. Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you know what I mean? Like you still have to understand that you know if you have a way of preventing mm. yeah i don't uh, yeah uh, no i like i like the analogy i like the pushing back against nature mm. too that's interesting mm. 
Well, and I also like looking of... at things from that perspective because I think like with conversations about free will and conversations about morality, and I feel the same way with conversations about the soul, I think they so distract from the material reality that we're in that we end up talking about the wrong things. We get all mm. tied up in the debate over whether, you know, theism or atheism is true instead of us focusing in on like the material facts of the matter, like so, so far as we can tell, we're in charge of morality. So far as mm. we can tell, we probably don't have free will. And so far as we can tell, the brain is what's responsible for us being us. If we could mm. all, instead of arguing about whether or not that's the case, focus in on those three things, mm. like we would function a lot better and have a lot better understanding of what's going on probably operate better together and be much better informed. But instead, mm. we're consistently distracted by this constant argument about, nah, it's actually not science, it's religion, it's God, it's God, it's God, it's uh, God. Yeah. Okay, well, that has no information content to me and nothing mm. that tells me fucking sweet fuck all about mm. the material reality that we're living in. What would, mm. what would help me, actually, is if we had a conversation... I'll, I'll grant you your God. Sure. God's real. Fine. Can, can we fuck off of that now? Just pretend <laughs> he's not for a second so that we can talk about the reality that's in front of us instead of yeah. focusing on that, instead of making that the focus. And mm. then we can maybe figure some shit out and be better yeah. as a society, yeah. as a species, yeah. as a world. Yeah. yeah. I know. I, 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 I remember that, that's similar to when we, when the first, the same sex marriage plebiscite was coming around Australia, Australia was voting on whether or not um, uh, uh, LGBT members were, could get um, married and have the status of human beings. Um, so we were. Um, <laughs> could you imagine the audacity? <laughs> yeah, the absolute I know. The temerity audacity. of those people. <laughs> we, we were really deciding should they be happy or should they not be happy for no reason? Anyway, so <laughs> we. Because we it makes us happier knowing that they're yeah. not happy. <laughs> And I was, I was on the precipice of my faith at the moment, at, at that mm -hmm. time. And I remember asking a bunch of Christians, like, okay, let's, we have theological problems. Sure. Like, there, there, there can be theological problems, whatever, right? But can we just talk about the, like, the, um, like, the real world material problems? And then when I did that, that's when I noticed a lot of, the, that's the other thing. I noticed a lot of, like, dishonesty around that they would cite they would cite like remember this one pastor who was so well respected in our community i used to counsel me and he said he started quoting the gay manifesto and what's the gay manifesto do you know what that is no but it sounds awful it's, it perked my eyes up because it's, like, it's <laughs> a it's a it's a satirical piece from the 80s like a joke and he quoted it as if it was like a real like a committee of the all the gays got together and decided like what what, what it meant to be gay and we pointed this out to him we're like hey this is a is a satirical piece it's not real and this guy's like super oh is that one that like the, the an activist did it to like prove a point that what people think i think is, so like is is so satirical that if it actually happened it would be this yeah. ridiculous yeah and they and, actually bought yeah that hook line and, and sinker and oh my god yeah. okay and then they were quoting it and everyone's like thanks Rich, for showing the truth blah 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 and um we pointed this out to this person multiple times. They saw the messages, they replied to them, and they kept using it. They knew what they were doing. And, and they, they did it anyway. It. And I was like, because it supported their narrative. And I'm like, you slimy piece of shit. Like, you're causing wow. real harm to, to people now. And like, 
based on like you're not uninformed you're informed now and you're still choosing to ignore the fact that it's satirical but anyway getting distracted a little bit um have more rum that'll help oh geez helps helps me every time and i'm really good at staying on topic it's my specialty (laughs) being succinct and staying on topic (laughs) that's what i'm known for i've i've like drifted off into a million subplots in my head and i've even take taken notes and i do not know um where i was going to go with that so i'm just going to pivot to one of the notes here okay with the hard problem of consciousness mm-hmm. you know how people say consciousness is like the opposite of what it's like to be a rock right like they'll say something like that like i yeah, feel I therefore i am conscious right i think therefore i am panpsychists right? will absolutely eat them alive on that though depends on your philosophy okay. though right Maybe I'm a panpsychist, right? Because I don't okay. know what that is. Maybe you can inform me. You, the, you, it's you a, it's, dabble. I'm in reading this. Philip. Jo- okay, if you if you want to read up on it more, I would suggest Philip Goff. I can't, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's either Goff or Joff. Um, uh, it's called Galileo's Error. Um, I'm not sure how I think about panpsychism, but it's something that some theists and some atheists both seem to have some overlap in. So I'm try- I'm kind of exploring it. To see what I think about it. But from what I can glean thus far, it seems to be this philosophical theory that basically every particle of matter, like every component of the known universe, like right down to the microscopic quark level, um, is imbued with some sort of degree of consciousness as this sort of like innate inherent component of material being. Um, Right. So I'm not that. But that's yeah. interesting. I'll link so that they would in the say that there's a that a rock potentially has something like a consciousness, just as an innate component. It just doesn't have the coalescence of consciousness required um, to ha- for there to be a state of affairs that it is something that it is like to be that rock from an identity standpoint. Okay. Well, I'm going to. I'm going to jump in the deep end. I'm going to embarrass myself because I'm not too well versed in this. I got the 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 Blackwell's Companion to Consciousness up there. I haven't opened Ooh. it. I'm too scared to to actually look into it cool. um, because I know it's going to be such a deep subject. And the book is I've huge. never ever ever read it. I yeah, I will, I'll link it in the description as well. Um, Please do. Um, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to jump in the deep end. I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit because cool. this idea is probably stupid. But I want to get your thoughts on that. You're very insightful, so, so I'm excited to hear this. Thank you. That's why I started the YouTube channel, by the way, because I wanted because to... Because you're so insightful? And you, the world no. needs to know! <laughs> yeah. The world, the world needs to be blessed by me. The world must know how insightful <laughs> I am! No, I, was watch, I was watching these conversations with you and atheist experience, and you know, watching conversations, debates all the time by them and, and stuff, and I was having conversations with myself in my own head, or like with people who didn't care, like my wife. Okay, <laughs> She's like very interesting, very interesting. Like she, I she watched her on she, TikTok she... watching a flat Earth debate today, and I died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. her face! Oh, uh, I was like Ophelia. <laughs> I've yeah. been there, if you my wanna, friend. 
Been there if you want to watch, um, there's a video I just recently put out um, on one of our politicians in Australia. Yeah. It's, you would love, it's me and her reacting to it. Well, it's her reacting to it. It's me showing it to her. And oh, I think I'll go and, back through because I, I follow you on you TikTok. You and Paul would get, yeah. Well, it's on YouTube, sorry. Um, oh, okay. but you, you guys would get a laugh out of that, you and Paul, I think. Um, cool. Because even if you don't know Australian politicians, this dude is a meme, a walking <laughs> meme. Perfect. Anyway, um, Bob Catter. So, Jumping jumping into it, so my my thought process is: What if I just call bullshit on consciousness? Okay, what that do you sounds, mean by that? That sounds, that sounds stupid, right? But like, so it it so when I talk to someone about consciousness, right, I'm taking almost like a hard skeptical position. Okay, I say what is what is consciousness, and then for one thing, it's really hard to define. People can't necessarily define consciousness. They will say like, it's just. It's how you feel. It's what it is to be me. They use all this like flowery language. And it's like, what if I've just called bullshit on that and just say, what it feels like to be you is just whatever's happening in your brain. And then they go, well, consciousness is like what it feels like. It's the opposite of what it feels like to be a rock. And I'm like, no, what it feels like to be a rock is what it feels like to be a rock. So it's not like that rocks have consciousness. It's just that they don't have the ability, like they don't have the ability to be conscious, like, or to, to, like to experience the things that we experience and I have neuro neurology or anything like that or, or nervous system. Right. So when someone, when we start talking about consciousness, it, it seems to me that we almost beg the question. So we say, well, consciousness has to exist because I exist. It's almost like a, like I exist. I'm real. I feel things. I experience things. And then they go from there where I'm saying, well, hang on. You've already begged the question. You're already begging that there is something there. What if we just said, no, there isn't something there. And I mean, this is, I know that so many people are going to be cringe in the comments or whatever, but and the it is a little bros right now. I can hear yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> bros, that's yeah. Um, so it's like, it's like because so the and just to just to just to push just to explain why I'm thinking like this is because I came up against non-dualist thought. Do you know what non non-dualism is? Like the idea that like everything is consciousness and and um and really consciousness is awareness and we don't necessarily have um it's not tied to anything physical and it's like a very eastern thought like um so it's like like the entire universe is consciousness and we're just experiencing like a corner of yeah. that consciousness yeah like so what the what, universe what, experiencing itself in yeah. physical form sort of thing but so then what, I would just what, be like, how though? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so to get super deep real quick. So everything that you experience, this is what they would say, say to us, right. right? If we had an interlocutor here, they would say everything that you experience, you experience through consciousness. So it's, so there's a consciousness first model, right? So okay. if, if we were to like imagine ourselves, uh, David and Shannon in a blank white room. Yeah. Okay. And that room represents consciousness. We're in this room. Okay. And I say to you, everything that's in this room is all that exists. And you say, well, that's bullshit. There's more that exists than, the, than what's just in this room. And then so, and I go, no, there isn't. And you go, yes, there is. And so you open the door, you leave the room, you take a photo of a flower, you come back into the room and you show me that flower. And I say to you, yes, but that flower is now in this room, right? right. Like you can never, you can never escape the idea that it might be consciousness first versus matter first. So we're taught in in science or whatever that it's matter first. Matter produces consciousness through the brain, right? Mm -hmm. Is the general hypothesis. What if it's the other way around? What if matter doesn't exist and consciousness 
comes first. And so matter is matter is the assumption that we have to reject. That's like um, solipsism, that, kind of, isn't it? It's it's similar. It's along the similar lines of like, uh, not really. It's 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 along the similar lines of like, it's an un, it is unfalsifiable, which is frustrating. Um, but so it's kind far, of like solipsism, I, I guess. It, it's like the anti-solipsism because solipsism would be like brain in the vat, right? Like you're the only thing existing, and you're projecting external yeah, reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through like, or is that illusion? Anyway, but yeah. <laughs> So, we so need a sober we need a sober philosopher that just sits in the corner and just goes, actually, what you guys are talking about is um and like just right. Us. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. I do like and also like I am no philosopher. I find it all interesting. I do like I like engaging with it because I think that it can inform perspectives, but mm. I am not ever gonna be a philosopher. Yeah, yeah, I know <laughs> ever. what you mean. But I'm just trying to, I'm trying to wrap my head around what you're saying though. So consciousness first mm. and how are we in this model experiencing anything? Like what causes us to have a unique individual experience or are any of us having a unique individual experience? Well, just, yeah, it's, um, it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. It took a while for me to wrap my head around it. Um, you have to get really deep into the Eastern memes um, for to Eastern philosophy. But essentially, it's like everything that you experience ever, yeah, is consciousness first. Like, can you think of an example that isn't consciousness first? No, because everything exists through perceptions. From mm. right, so, so everything's so, a perceptual experience. So someone like Rupert Spira, I'll link his book in the description. I think it's one big beg the question, but, or it's, it's unfalsifiable, sorry. But he says, um, he, I think his book is called The Nature of Consciousness, but, or it might be something else, but I'll link it in the description. But he says that essentially the assumption that there is matter is, is an unjustified assumption because we only, we experience, the first thing we experience is consciousness. And then right. we, we assume matter based on our consciousness, but Oh, that's so, actually okay. I like th that. Makes sense mm, to me when mm, you say it that way. We mm, assume so like, matter what, based on our consciousness because I think that's kind of true. Mm. So then, there's, they a, there's called, some truth value to that for me. I think. Yeah. So they like called, on on a surface level, I can see how it makes sense. I suppose is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Uh, six months time, you'll be like you'll have a shaved head. You'll be living in India with a um. Oh no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> You're like I found nope. the truth. <laughs> we assume we assume matter, but like, why do things like pain exist then? And mm. if we're the ones assuming matter through consciousness, um, is it our consciousness? And if it is our consciousness, why are there things about our own body that don't make sense to us? Yeah, so he goes, in his book, he starts with something, kind of what the Jehovah's Witnesses do. They start with something really easy to understand, and then they start talking about angels fighting demonic yeah. spirits, right? So so it's um, he starts with something really basic that it's consciousness first, and then eventually by the end of his book, he's talking about how everything is the same consciousness, and we're all one, et cetera, right? I don't Which, know what, that, now, I'm now that lost me. Because the yeah, first one same. seems trivially true, just because uh, we exist through perceptions yeah to me anyway yeah sorry i've got a bit of a cold so i'm sniffly but that's right have more, when, have more like rum. under scrutiny though like yeah i'll have some more rum that'll fix it 
when you put it under scrutiny, though, it seems weird to me because it would seem like you couldn't explain other unique individual consciousness consciousnesses conscious nigh. What's the what's the plural of consciousness? <laughs> consciousnesses. You couldn't explain other unique individual ones, and you also, if you're constructing material reality, um, using your mind, like. If that's the case, why can't I take this cell phone apart and put it back together? You know what I mean? Like if I constructed mm. this, that would mean that I manifested every physical material thing around me was manifested by me somehow. Mm. Um, and that doesn't seem to make sense to me because I don't understand a lot of the shit that I touch. So. Mm. or that exists in my environment or my periphery or how any of it operates unless I mm. magic it into existence, which seems silly because then why can't I just choose to magic whatever into existence if mm. I don't have any control over it? It's it's more, I guess, I guess physical material world would exist, I think, but it's like looking further back from that. It's like, it's going like a level deeper. It's like, it exists inside of consciousness. So it exists the same way you might love Paul. That exists, but it's like that's inside of your 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 love. Maybe is inside of consciousness for Paul, right? Um, and your hatred for Darth Dawkins or your humor. Oh, your I don't hate Darth, Darth Dawkins. Dawkins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I imagine you. I don't, you're person, but I don't hate a lot of people. He hates me. Oh, he hates oh, yeah. me. I still get messages. Evidently, he still talks about me sometimes. I don't oh, know why. Yeah, it's he needs better hobbies. Okay, so. We're going to have to table the rest of that, um, the conversation around conscience. Unfortunately, there's so much more to go into, um, but yeah, we, we might talk about that until the end of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll move it. We'll move into the Q and a, um, and so I've got a list of questions from people in my discord. Some of them you've already answered. Some of them you haven't. So I'll read out the ones you haven't answered. Sure. Um, and first one, a question that's so deep and dear to my heart. That is so such a concern for me oh, um, good. and my, and my family um, and you know, my future. Um, and that is, does porn damage the brain? No. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, can you talk about that because there's obviously that meme going around uh that porn damages the brain it does not damage the brain it doesn't that uh, are you thaw there's so many memes going around and all of them are like equally dumb the one that i hate the most is the one that uses actual um like images of the brain actually i think they're mri <laughs> images and tries to demonstrate that porn is damaging the brain because they're like, look at this growth or whatever, but it's not even a growth. It's a, it's a, the ventral striatum is like a part. It's the, it's part of the reward center of your brain. And people who watch a lot of porn have a slightly overactive ventral striatum. So it lights up a bit more in an MRI. So it's not, it's not growing or changing. It's still exactly the same fucking size. It is all as it always was it's just more neurons are firing. When you watch porn or think about porn in the ventral striatum, so, if you like porn a lot, and that's all that says, that's literally all that fucking says, and that your reward center might be slightly overreactive, but many different things could lead to that. Many. Interesting. So I started this off as a bit of a joke question, but the, in all seriousness, is it like I was taught in church that 
you know, you start watching porn and then you'll be turned gay and then you'll be blowing Jesus a dude Christ. behind the, yeah, I know <laughs> all the, all the, um, every man's battle kind of stuff or, or they interviewed Ted, they interviewed Ted Bundy and they said, you know, Ted Bundy said that, uh, every serial killer has a fascination with porn and it's like, Oh yes, because okay. he would know <laughs> and, yeah. he's, and he's notoriously honest as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's also interesting is like, um, but it's also like, I don't know what criminal is like, no, I'm not going to look at porn. That's immoral. <laughs> like, what is he's doing? What criminal's doing that? Anyway. Um, so is there is there any, like, concern for someone? I'm, I'm getting all seriousness now. I'm serious now. I'm take, taking notes. Is there any, like, actual issue with consuming too much porn or, um, like, f- from a neurological, physical, physiological perspective? Uh, kind of the, is the answer to that. And that's not me being evasive. It's the truth because porn can be a maladaptive coping strategy because it's okay. dopamine inducing, right? So porn will activate your reward center and it'll also activate your motor cortex. So it activates several reasons, your motor cortex for obvious reasons. You got to do some things with your hands. Usually <laughs> when you're watching porn, there's some, some things are moving and reacting. And also you're going to like your somatosensory cortex is receiving some information as well yeah. <laughs> about some, some touching that's taking place. Not me. So, I only no, watch it and never touch no, myself. I just, that's... I just, it's an art form. I'm just appreciating yeah. the art form. But I, yeah. but I love art. So I yeah. <laughs> uh, and I have a deep appreciation yes. for this art form. Just, I'm, like, I'm a media critic is what but I I'm... am. And I'm just... <laughs> media critic. This is That's all great. just me learning and gathering information. Um, yeah. yeah, but no, but it can become a, because it's dopamine releasing, um, it can become a maladaptive habit. So it can be something that becomes habit forming that you do repetitively as a form of sating um, depressive or anxiolytic thoughts. And if that's something that can give you temporary relief um, and you continuously do it because it's giving you temporary relief, like exposing yourself to the pornography and doing whatever comes with it, you can eventually get to the point that you build up those pathways enough that um, it's no longer a satisfying, it's no longer something that you're doing to satisfy or gratify yourself. It's something that you're doing as a maladaptive habit. So it becomes a a slightly more of a, a compulsion and less of a satisfying endeavor um, because of, because of, because of that. That could be also a concern um, with things like gambling or shopping or video games. Like they get the mm. the same pathways are activated for the same reasons to get the same result that can form the same type of maladaptive habits for the same reasons with those activities as well. So there's nothing special about porn when it comes to that. Um but it could be a maladaptive coping strategy. Like it's not just a hundred percent across the board, always good for you activity to do. Um, but it in and of itself, I see as kind of like an amoral activity that more often than not, 99.9% of the time is just a normal thing that normal people do because they're normal. 
and it shouldn't be shamed. And so long as everybody mm. is informed and enthusiastic and consenting and compensated appropriately, that's involved in it um, from the production end. Um, I say have at it. No problem. Sex mm. work is work. That's great. Like, let's not kink shame. Let's like go do you. But you can't like the world is nuanced, right? You have to mm. accept the fact that there that for some people it could become a problem. And when, when you say become a problem, is that like the same as like people who play video games all day or people who watch porn all day or people who, um, uh, is it the same with alcoholism? Like, um, I alcoholism has al a chemical component. So not quite the same, right? Okay. So alcoholism, you're introducing a substance into your system. That's fundamentally changing your neurochemical biosphere. Right. Yeah. So the, Biosphere is probably not the word that I'm looking for, but a, a, you've a had many rums. Yes, I've I have had I've I've changed my biosphere. <laughs> <laughs> I feel my biosphere um, is 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 augmenting as we speak. But yeah, so alcoholism has a chemical component, right? So you can create an actual physiological dependency on something like an alcohol. Mm. Same with nicotine. Same with caffeine. Same with like you know morphine, any kind of opiates. Those. Those are all things that can create an actual physiological biochemical dependency. You can't create a physiological biochemical dependency on porn. The porn itself isn't the problem in these. It's like porn gets assigned the designation of the problem when really it's, you know, the temporary self-medication that people are using for the actual problem. And the actual oh, problem okay. is usually something like... Um, a situational or chronic depression or a severe social anxiety or neurochemical anxiety or trauma or, 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 or right? Like yeah, yeah. these are underlying psychosocial or neurodivergence issues that need to be like identified appropriately so that they can be addressed appropriately. And when they aren't, the coping mechanisms for them can manifest as dopamine seeking behaviors that then become maladaptive habits. And then the habit that's the, the maladaptive habit is what ends up being blamed as the problem. Like it, it, people work backwards and so, say, well, porn made you do this when really like something yeah. was going on and you turned to that. So that's very interesting. So are you saying like the average person, women, men who, wakes up in the morning, looks at some porn on their phone, plays themselves and then moves on with their day. Um, yeah. That's one thing. But then someone right. who is like getting yelled at by their boss and then runs into the bathroom to masturbate to try and remove that anxiety or whatever. Yeah. You're saying there's like a, that, that's like. The maladaptive that's the coping habit. Yeah. Like, okay. So that's the like, differentiation. Yeah. Right? Like you learned at some point in time that you get that dopamine boost or whatever from that activity because you do. And you utilized that to cope with things instead of actually coping with them. Right. Mm. Or like it, you start to become more and more socially isolated as an example as well. Like it, that that's something that happens when you have severe anxiety or depressive disorders, you start to become more socially isolated and more overwhelmed. Well, what, what's a thing that you can do to when you're alone consistently 
and socially isolated and overwhelmed, that's an activity that will give you a sense of at least temporary satisfaction and, you know, some sort of like positive stimulation. Well, viewing mm-hmm. pornography and masturbating is probably something that's easily accessible that you could do that would give you that temporary release. Is is that something that you could end up doing more and more consistently as you become increasingly isolated? Is that something that you could then affiliate with the sense of isolation or choose over social interactions going forward mm. because you formed a habit around it and now it's the only thing in your recent recall that's given you any kind of pleasure and everything else is terrifying. And also now it's wrapped up with all of this sense of shame that it's imbued with too, right? Cause society gives you the sense of shame about it. So yeah. now you're constantly ashamed and that's increasing the anxiety and depression, which is causing mm-hmm. you to turn more to porno- pornography, which is increasing your social isolation. The porn, like what is the porn really the problem there? No, no the porn is yeah. is the worst thing that you could continue doing probably. And you're mm. going to need to to completely secede from it at some point in time until you can learn to use it normally. Mm. Um, but in order for you to learn to new, use it normally, what you need to do is address the underlying problem that you're using the porn to self-medicate poorly and then creating mm. that maladaptive uh, habit around. Does that make sense? Oh. It does. And I feel like I'd love to have you on another time to talk about addiction because uh, there's, there's a lot of addiction. I've got a lot of uh, history in my family of addiction. And I'd love to talk to you about the... I've, I've had... Uh, for a while, I've had some suspicions about the way that we treat addiction with like AA and NA and stuff like that. Oh, they're bad um, news. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to talk to you more about that. But move, moving on... Um, oh, that was one question. That was one <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm gonna. I'm going I'll to, to be better. No, no, no. That's fine. That's really good. I'll I'll pick out what I think are good good questions. And um, I don't know if you ever want to do this again, but if you do, I'll be happy to have you on, and we can ask the other questions again. Um, can you give a brief explanation of cognitive science perspective of religion? <laughs> brief one no i can never give a brief explanation of anything if you ask me for a brief explanation of like what i'm holding in my hand i probably couldn't fucking do that right (laughs) (laughs) but of what cognitive science thinks of religion i mean it depends on the religion there's like like it depends on the society it depends on the individual it depends on the community so Mm. no i guess my like my answer would be no i can't there's no such thing as a brief explanation of what cognitive science thinks of religion not if you're being fair Mm. um i I mean i guess i could say that a brief explanation of what a social science seems of thinks about religion would probably fall into the durkheimian models so like look up emil durkheim and what um, his perspectives on religion from a quantifiable like research standpoint are um and, i'll link some stuff in the description yeah. <laughs> like, emil durkheim would be who would you who you would look at from like a social sciences perspective on religion like how to quantify okay. religion to study um but it's too vast an array of perspectives to Mm. nail down to because what but when when you're thinking about religion you might just be thinking about like mainstream fundamental christianity but there's also people who would who would consider themselves religious who are deistic right Mm. and don't even really have an ideological um 
aspect to their religion. So from a cognitive perspective, they would be completely different, but they're both still religious. Mm. Um, so it wouldn't be fair for me. Uh, to, yeah. I hope that I, that's a, that's no, a it, very it long non-answer, I guess. No, no, it, it does. Like I could have, I could have started that. I could have like sent you that question and then given you a month and then like started the interview with that question and we still wouldn't be done with answering it. Like it's such right. a big, yeah, it's such a big question. Because I'd have to I go also, through each, I'd have to list off all those, however many gods you listed off, all 4,000 of those gods that you read off and then figure out what kind of models were built around those gods then look at mm. the society and see how that impacts a society at a societal level. And then look at each individual and see if there's differences between how it impacts different individuals too. Because from a cognitive perspective, a woman in fundamental Christianity um, or an LGBT person in a Christian fundamentalist family, like from a cognitive perspective, their cognition is going to be and perceptions are going to be vastly different in how they're formed than you know, somebody who's a patriarchal head of the household in that model. Like, so I I can't just say that religion does X to your brain without contextualizing, right? I I, I have this book that I think people should read called What is Religion? Um, I found it in Byron Bay of all places. It was like $75. And the only reason I stopped is because it's a tiny little book that was worth $75. And um, it turns out the reason it was worth $75 is because it's such a niche topic. But if if someone's interested in what you're talking about, which is um, uh, it talks about like what like what is religion that talks specifically about like it's very it's a very complicated issue to to even get into. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, the DMC, the D, oh my God, I'm drunk. The DMC, <laughs> the, the DSM-5. Yeah. Um, in the DS, DSM-5, the um, delusion, okay, this is going to trigger you a little bit, but I want you to deal with it. I'm ready. But in yeah. the DSM-5, delusion is defined as fixed beliefs that are not amendable to change in the light of conflicting evidence. Uh-huh. Using this definition, can some aspects of faith be classified as a delusion? this is a conversation we have a thread going on my um discord server because i i looked up this definition and i was like that seems to fit a lot of my friends and family where you present them evidence and then don't but i'm also smart enough to realize that i'm not smart enough i don't know the terminology and stuff they're using in the dmc5 dmc dsm5 far out way too drunk um so i wanted to get your perspective i wanted to get your perspective because i know that you don't think that faith is a delusion in some aspects so no so here let's use this as an example so you and i are atheists right yeah okay part of the club yeah we're bros matt delahunty blessed us with his um Scepter, with his were, atheism yeah. yes yes so, yeah. so, so i've heard so i heard that that's how all of us landed here <laughs> that's how, that's how, yeah. <laughs> yeah um <laughs> yeah so i know that guy yeah <laughs> uh you and i are atheists now were you amenable to change once you were presented with different information sometimes i wasn't sometimes i was yeah okay so when you weren't, was that because you had uh, some sort of disorder that prevented you 
from being in touch with reality or perceiving reality accurately? No, I wasn't. I wouldn't say a disorder. I'm trying to be very specific with the wording, but I would say that I I made a I made a conscious decision to block off certain narratives in my head. Okay. So you were, the, the information was presented to you, you to a certain degree thought that it might be correct, but just chose to disregard it so that you, you were quelling your dissonance by finding a way to reconcile with yourself that you, uh, that you didn't need to accept this information, for example. Yep. Okay. Is that a re is that something that most reasonable people do on a day-to-day basis with myriad things, not just religion, but other things as well? Yes. They get presented with information that, that maybe butts up against some belief or another ideology yeah, yeah, that they have. And okay. Course, yeah. So was that because you had because in order for me to accept this model that you know it's delusion i it would have to be presented to me and there's a reason there's a reason that people don't diagnose medical professionals don't diagnose religious people with delusional disorders because (laughs) um it's exceptionally commonplace for people to have Mm. bad ideologies of manifesting in all kinds of different ways right so you can have bad political ideologies, you can have bad social interaction ideologies, you can have bad religious ideologies. They're just having bad ideologies is the human condition. It's not a mental illness. It's just uh, we are not perfectly rational machines that just, you know, can discern truth accurately 100% of the time and choose not to and or can't because of some sort of disorder we're just you know not as good as we think we are Mm. now in order for it to be a delusion it needs to be persistent not amenable to change um and like prevalent enough that it is impacting your day-to-day life so for a delusion to become disordered It needs to be something that you believe in very, very strongly, despite the fact that it is not reflected external to you. Keep this in mind because it's an important component or reinforced external to you in extant reality. Now, would you say that religions um, exist and are reinforced external to you in extant reality? No. No. Okay. No, no, they are. They are. They are. So they're not resistant. (laughs) to to the the manifest reality around you right because they they fit within the manifest reality around you having religious ideologies they fit very very squarely and nicely within it and in fact are encouraged and built for you based on the manifest external reality hmm. so it's it's anticipated and expected that people would be religious because societies are religious and people are taught to believe it and do and are given bits and pieces of external reinforcement in order to consistently hold to it. Um, They're taught to misattribute things that they perceive or external monologues that they may have um, or perceptions that they may have um, 
they're just taught to misattribute it to religion. They're the, like we're people we're taught we're taught to mold our perspectives and our perceptions um and how to perceive them through that lens. So that's the that's the outcome we would expect. Mm. So it's not a delusion if it's something that we could predictively expect predictably expect given the external world around us. It becomes a delusion when it doesn't match the external world around us. It is persistent. There's nothing that we can do to change it, really, aside from, you know, like in injecting treatment. And it starts to affect your day-to-day -day life in a way that you can no longer function or interact on any meaningful level. Um, and you become disorganized in your, your social behavior mm. and potentially physical or danger to yourself or others those are when it becomes dangerous and people people's insistence in calling it a delusion blows my mind because it's like mm. say especially if you're now an atheist because it's like saying i was delusional i was clearly delusional i was clearly clearly not in my right mind and incapable of perceiving reality just incapable of perceiving reality at all. Yet somehow, despite the fact that I was incapable of perceiving reality, I just one day perceived it. I just one day went, oh, yeah. there's reality. I think I think just what you snapped out of it somehow. It's weird yeah, to me. I think people have been healed by the blessed hands of Aaron Ra. Aaron's <laughs> <laughs> hands are, I've met, I've met Aaron in person. His hands are usually around a beer or a really hot chicken wing. <laughs> uh, so, so I've, I've spoke to Aaron, Aaron a few times. I'd love to have, have him on for a chat. Um, he, um, he, he will fuck you up with some hot sauce. He might ask you to drink that, so be careful. <laughs> well, I was just about to say I have over 50 species of chilies growing in my backyard, and I oh, only have you'll get along. I, I only have uh, I've seen photos of your backyard, like on with the fire pit and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have about yeah. 120th the size. So it's literally like you okay. walk around, you walk around the pot plants that are everywhere. Um I have the, the hottest chilies in the world. I have chilies that are only found next to like a small river in the Brazilian rainforest. No. Like, yeah. So I have like You'll all different species. Face. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I I wish he was, I wish I could send him some some stuff I make, but I can't. Um, but yeah, it's uh it'd be it'd be really cool to meet him one day and to and to He's fun. He's he was, so nice. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's like you, a um, you would think he would be because of because he's such a big personality and a physically a big guy and like intimidating looking you would think that he would be at like an intimidating presence but he is just the nicest <laughs> easiest to approach he's so kind no, i don't i don't even think of him like that you see like i loved his book and stuff links in the yeah. description um but i think that um I, I view him as like a like if you got a teddy bear Right, mm -hmm. and you dressed dressed him in satanic like metal <laughs> gear, like leather, like hard leather. <laughs> that's what I... everything about cladistics that's yeah, ever been yeah. known. And then, like, I'd love to just be like, okay, and like, and then if and if you could like throw throw like um objections to um evolution at him, and this this teddy bear would spit out like a really reasonable <laughs> response. That's what I see as Aaron Ra. Like, I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I want to like give him a hug and then like cut myself on the metal studs that he has. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like he, he seems like a cool dude. He's, I, I really, he's I really cool. enjoy he's his great. Book. Yeah. Um, I met him in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. 
so okay this is a this is a good question what do you think is the most effective method for lay people to honestly engage with ideas and beliefs so this person gave an example of like maybe it's street epistemology like the style where you just ask someone questions you try and understand the underlying so is this person reasons. talking about dialogue like dialogue specifically? dialogue yeah okay dialogue specifically yeah uh People are going to hate my answers because they're so wishy-washy. First, I'd say it depends on the person. Like, it's so, and and I don't mean like just depends on the person on an individual level. It depends on whether or not you're talking to somebody that's like a loved one or a close family member or you're talking and whether you're talking to somebody in person or on the internet as well. Because every different type of, like your relationship is going to affect how you interact because you're because you're invested in the outcome of that conversation more if it's a personal relationship so you need to treat it a different way um and when you're interacting with people more online it's going to depend on the medium through which you're interacting with them is it twitter yes it's right (laughs) exactly like if it's twitter my answer would be just fucking don't Like just, just, just don't. Just that's so good. Don't. (laughs) I used to. Now Twitter is just where I go um, to be a dick. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just a it's just a catharsis dump for me on Twitter for the most part. Like I get and I like there's many people I interact with on Twitter like through DMs and I like to see what people are up to and interact with people that I like on Twitter. Um, Mm. But I stopped attempting to have much meaningful conversation on Twitter a significant amount of time ago because uh, it's a frustrating medium that's made to make conversations uh, difficult to have and confusing in any sort of meaningful way. Uh, so just do not. <laughs> if 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 I someone guess. if if someone is like engaging with me on a topic, yeah, and they're being really frustrating to me, I'll just ask them to come. I'll be like, hey, jump on the Discord. We'll have a chat back to forth. And then they, and then they disappear. Strategy. They disappear quicker than anything. And then I can go on with my irrational belief in their mind, um, or they do come on and they challenge me. Like I challenged um. Not challenge, but I said some really inflammatory stuff about mythicism, um, and the godless engineer called me out, and I jumped on his channel. And um, we like I I get frustrated when people come to me and they tell me something inflam like they tell me something inflammatory, and then when I push them on it and we, we go to have a chat, they they soften it. So like you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stand by my statement, which my statement was um, it's clear to me that mythicists are only mythicists for the feels so i I, so i jumped on there um knowing nothing about mythicism and i said look i've said john's such a good person to talk to i shouldn't have said that like no 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 he is so um i I said i'm glad it ended well because he's a good friend of mine yeah no no no, i i i I like him a lot so i I said look i said um i said because i think at at the start he thought it was going to be a really like fiery stream yeah i said like oh thanks for actually engaging with me like i we can have a cordial conversation he's like why did you want to have a cordial conversation when you come at me like that and i was like oh true valid Uh, point valid point (laughs) so so but i didn't want to jump into his stream and soften my arguments i was like no i said something i should stand by it so i jumped on and i was and i built a little syllogism like in five minutes beforehand and, Mm. and stuff and we had a back and forth and um 
I still hold to my same perspective. I've, 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 I've softened my um, perspective a lot though. And he definitely, I said, look, man, I said, I said this inflammatory thing. I'm going to stand by it for the sake of this argument. I want you to show me where I'm wrong. And he, he showed me that I knew very little about what I thought I was like, what I had a strong opinion about. Mm -hmm. And so me and him, when he, like we ended as friends, um, um, like he got frustrated uh, somewhere through the line and his, um, his partner, uh, his wife, I think, um, uh, had to like calm him down a few times, which is, which is pretty funny. Um, but besides that, we ended up as good friends. We've been chatting back and forth. Um, not good friends, sorry, but we've been eh, friends and we've been chatting back and forth and, and I'd love to have him on the show one time. And, um, he's been giving me resources and I'm looking into mythicism, which I never thought I would do. Um, cause I'm a big, um, uh, Bart Ehrman fanboy. So, uh, yeah. So oh, that's funny. Yeah. So it ended up good, but in general, off like people I know, <laughs> <laughs> But in, in, in general, like the the approach that I have is if I ask someone, if someone's arguing with me on Twitter, I ask them to have a conversation on Discord or somewhere they're choosing. If they say no, I can forget about their stupid arguments yeah, because they, they didn't into, they were being performative to like yeah. get little pithy yeah. tweets off or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And if they do come on, I'll show you I'll show them where they're incorrect. And if if not, they'll show me where I'm misguided. And, and that's what Godless Engineer did. And then I'm like, okay, there's something I gotta I gotta look into this a bit more. I gotta be a bit more educated. And then it pushes me to I push into cognitive dissonance like a workout. Don't, um, I don't jump on the mi- shit on mythicist train though, dude. That no. train annoys <laughs> me. It really like, Are you a mythicist? Does. No, you a mythicist? I'm not. I'm not. Oh, okay. But what annoys me is the the attitude towards the mythicist mm. position is so condescending to me. And I like I Oh yeah. Maybe it's because I've known John for so long too. And like and I know all I didn't know of the he research he does too. Right. Like mm. like he's I, it doesn't convince me, it does convince him. That's great. Like whatever. The the people who are constantly all over the internet going, mythicists are a shameful blah 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 and you're stupid and like they act like they're like the, I have they to say act like jackasses towards mythicists where they could just like if you don't believe it, then just leave them the fuck alone. Like why do you why? Yeah. <laughs> like what are you I, being like this for? Aside from acting you have superior the, or something like, i don't you have get the it. best you have the best bro voice ever like they're yeah, bro, <laughs> 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 um, but but yeah i i would agree with you so my perspective of mythicism was like jesus didn't exist bro lol like that was my understanding of what mythicism was and no. my, my my yeah i know well I'm, because of uh, mythicism yeah. i know what the word interpolation means <laughs> yeah well, there's so, actually shit to be learned there if you look right? yeah yeah it's and it's, it's interesting right um so my my perspective was essentially most scholars don't hold to the mythos position therefore most people must be coming to the perspective of mythicism for non-scholarly reasons and what john challenged me with is he said look um he said they're um, they, you know, a lot of these people have to sign statements of faith. They have to, their, their perspective is that Jesus was a real person. And I didn't realize that mythicism actually held to these, a more in-depth perspective of like what could be obtained from theological ideas. It wasn't just like Jesus didn't exist, lol, and then move on with your day. It was no. like, no, no, there is some like theological ramifications and it's like, and I was like, okay, so he blew my mind in that aspect and, uh, 
you know, when I get some free time, I'm going to read Rich Carey's book and and the other books that she, he suggested. Uh, at least give it its um its at least give it its due. And even if I don't get convinced, I'll at least be better off for it. And right, that's like you're I'm tearing down myself. something, I think, because of your assumption that has been given to you by other people about mm. what those people believe, and mm. not um actually critically analyzing what they yeah. do believe. Yeah. And they're like, and that, you may learn a lot looking into mythicism. Like I learned a lot about like I, who Tacitus is and how like his, it, like his um, history related, like not just to the Roman empire, but also to like the history of Christianity. Same mm -hmm. with Josephus. Like I wouldn't, if I hadn't looked into mythicism because I thought that it was interesting and wanted to explore it more, um, I wouldn't have learned those things or been exposed mm. to them if I had just gone in with the underlying assumption, well, those guys aren't pro part of the consensus and everybody <laughs> says they're stupid and I don't want people to think I'm stupid like them, so I'm going to call them stupid too so everybody will know that I'm not in their camp and I think they're stupid. Like that drives me i wouldn't have learned any of that stuff and yeah yeah it's a better that's a really a better good, way to be that's a really good point but i'm just wondering if anyone in either of our audiences could cut together every time shannon <laughs> did bro, bro voice yeah and we can release it we can at least say um i think you should create a um you should create a um tiktok like um uh josh uh, Josh Bowen did with um not Kent Hoven, <laughs> it's Kent which Hoven. is my favorite. You know, not Kent Hoven is my favorite. Thing. Um, uh, Shannon Shannon Bro, <laughs> we just make bro arguments. Um, Shannon I have bro. a, I have a, <laughs> I just wear a backwards a very... ball cap, sideways <laughs> yeah. ball cap. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, <bro>. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, bro. if you and if you and Paula Gia, uh, so this is a, uh, I think. This is a, this isn't a serious question. Okay. <laughs> that is funny. I'm in a very serious you, mood, so I'm disappointed. <laughs> if you and if you and Paul are if you and Paul ever got married, would you consider asking and, and like a traditional marriage in a church or something? Let's say for some reason you did. Okay. Would you ever consider asking Michael Jones to be the minister? <laughs> oh my God! Yes. <laughs> He, you know why he would say no though. The reason Mike would say no is because he's in love with Paul. Him and Paul are like, I don't even, I don't know how to, like, I've literally sent that man, like, speaking of Bart Ehrman, they were both interviewing Bart Ehrman, and that, like, I'm telling tales out of school, I don't even care anymore, I've now had three yeah. rums, so we're going to talk about this. So. I've had more than, have you only had three rums? Yes. I'm shit, <laughs> I'm shit faced, I've had so much, like, look how small, look how far this bottle's down, like. <laughs> Anyway, it's hard going. to tell because mine's ginormous, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they were interviewing Bart Ehrman. So they were all in like a queue that I think Derek from Myth Vision like had set it up with Bart's people when he was promoting his like debate mm. or whatever with Mike Lacona or something. <clears throat> so Paul and Mike were in the back room together of this like stream thing, and everybody needs to be quiet. And Mike was blowing kisses at Paul. And I was, so Paul texts me and he says, I'm waiting to go in. I think I'm talking to Bart next. 
Mike keeps blowing kisses at me. And I said, I've told Mike once. If I've told him once, I've told him a hundred times, stop flirting with my fucking boyfriend. So I messaged Mike and I was like, bitch, Paul told me that you're blowing kisses at him. Stop flirting with my boyfriend. And you know when people write in like the big text and then the small text because they're not taking you seriously? He just wrote back in quotation marks and like the big text, then small text. So like big ass and then small T and then big O. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop flirting with my boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I. The reason he would say no is because he couldn't stand, I don't think, to see Paul marry anybody but him. But don't tell anybody I told you. Motherfucker. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) I. I like a lot of people don't like like a lot of atheists don't like uh, Michael Jones, but I think Michael Jones is I like him. I like him a lot. He's so been many on this of podcast. my friends do not like him. <laughs> yeah, and I think I'm he just... makes. I think because he's quite reasonable and he quite he's quite switched on when it comes to Bible stuff. I don't stuff think and that's he... why they don't. I think it's because he's also a bit of a dick sometimes. To people. <laughs> no, like, let's, let's be real. I think that sometimes, especially like in this env- in this environment, we're all incentivized to um, go at each other, right? Like because that conflict. A, we're like on diametrically opposed sides of like sometimes very serious moral issues. And Mm. we're also very like this isn't a realm where we're just talking about stuff because we think it's interesting. Like there's investment here on both Mm. sides, emotional, mental, social, like our impact on society investment. And we see it different ways. So when you're responding to people sometimes you you can be very biting and condescending and it's very easy to take that personally and sometimes it's intended to be taken personally Mm. and i think mike can sometimes do that with people and people can sometimes do that with mike so they get um rightfully so potentially on both ends um upset because that it seemed like it was meant to be personal and potentially it was and Mike can do that sometimes. So I know people that I think maybe have a legitimate beef with him on, from a personal perspective. It's not my fight and it's not my beef. Um, and nor can I control how he or they act. But no, yeah, it's hard. I, because I've never, I've never seen Michael Jones do that. Oh, well, I, I, I've never seen it, but like I, I'm, I'm his biggest fangirl ever. Like I think he... <laughs> No, he does like, not need more help with his fucking head. <laughs> I, I, I say to him, I say to I'm him, I'm gonna have um, to tear him down so hard to compensate <laughs> for this. I say to him, I'll cut this out. I say to him all, the, I say to people all the time, like if you if you're a Christian and you're having struggles with your faith and you don't want to lose your faith or whatever, or like mm. you're a Christian and you want, like Michael Jones, he's he's it's like I don't agree with him with a lot of stuff, and I think he does stretch with some things. However. As far as apologists go, he is like the most honest apologist I've ever met. I've know, watched him change his position on things because he got yeah. introduced to new information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really love um and something that is just funny that um that I don't know if it'll ever happen because the person is going through court and they can't appear on podcasts. But essentially, I may be interviewing a Satanist soon, right? A um, oh, okay. he's the head brother of the the temple of Satan where I live. And um, they don't believe in Satan is Satan or whatever. They use it as 
Hail Satan kind of documentary yeah. with the one in America. Right? No, 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 yeah. Um, he wants to come on to the podcast and he is going to bake me pop um pumpkin muffin, uh pumpkin scones, which okay. he says he's excellent at, and we're gonna drink tea. Okay. Okay. When when Michael Jones was on, we drank straight <laughs> scotch, Lagavulin 16, my favorite <laughs> scotch. And he's, we sat there, so I'm sitting there with a Christian apologist drinking straight scotch, and then the Satanist comes on, and we're drinking tea and pumpkin <laughs> scones. And it's like, this, this dichotomy is amazing. And what I love about Michael, to just wrap it all up, is that he's very real, and he's very, like, you know, um, like, he's a little bit, I'm not saying this in a in a in a in a harsh way, but he's a little bit worldly. I'm not saying that in like a negative spiritual way, but like he's got tattoos. He like can joke about things. He can like talk about serious issues in a joking way. Like mm -hmm. you see on the podcast, like I throw some throw some jokes at him, and he can he can wrestle with them, and he's not taking everything so seriously. Yeah, he's got a good sense of humor. Um, yeah, yeah. He he um he he, he talks about like um what I something he said that really stuck with me is. He really struggles with the kind of churches that I was brought up with, which is like Pentecostals, speaking in tongues, getting words from the God and all that stuff. He he said that if you're hearing from God, you're either hearing something that is already in line with what the Bible says, or it's not in the Bible, in which you should be concerned. Mm -hmm. Like if it's if it disagrees with the Bible, in which case you don't need the you don't need the word of God. You just you don't need like God to speak to you. You just read the Bible. Right. And I was like, wow. I was like, that's really interesting. Like he, he takes a very intellectual approach to his form of faith. And I, and I, and I, and I like that. Um, if I, if I, if someone held, held a, a supernatural guns on my head and I, for some reason had to become a Christian, I would, he would be, I would be his first disciple. You know what I mean? Like I would, I think that if, if there was a way to reconcile a faith, I don't think there is. I think Michael Jones is wrong about a lot of things, but I like the way he approaches approaches it. So yeah, he's he, he's got my respect in that regard, at least. I feel the same way um, about Laura too. I don't know if you know Laura. Who? Laura who? Laura. Um. Oh my gosh, her last name is escaping my Robinson. Laura Robinson. Um. I love her. Yeah, I'm gonna put her link in the description as well when I find her. She's so much fun, and she's um. I'm not sure if she she was doing her PhD at Duke. I'm not sure if she finished it or not yet. But yeah, she's the the same way. Like I think she's wrong, and she thinks mm. I'm wrong. But she's just like a good, a good human. person, right? Yeah, and yeah, he approaches yeah. things from a very scholarly perspective, and mm. a lot of the things that you see a lot of apologists saying, she's. She she looks at other apologists and she's like, you guys are dumb. Like that's like it doesn't say that. Like it is like you guys are don't agree at all with anything about what we're studying at at school at university. What the consensus is of among scholars. Like why are you guys saying this shit? What the fuck is going on? Like mm. <laughs> what is your problem? Yeah. And I'm like, oh. well, <laughs> that's, I'll, that's what I've I been will... saying. <laughs> what is their problem? <laughs> <laughs> I will ch I will check out her um her stuff. I'll put her links in the description for anyone to check out as well. Um, okay, I'm gonna go through these last few real quickly. Um, but does indoctrination affect physiological brain development? Uh, everything or can what? 
can um, indoctrination affect physiological brain development? Um, everything that you're exposed to affects physiological brain development. So, God, I feel like my answers are all so... <laughs> there's actually, there's no, nuance. <laughs> you know what? That, that's good, though, because life, like everything in life is nuanced. There's not, outside of mathematics, there's not many things that are binary, like one or two, you know? Right. Like this, yeah. So, like, everything that you're exposed to affects your physiological brain, right? Because you're going to have some sort of reaction that's going to leave an imprint in your brain. That's me very oversimplifying it because rum. Um so can indoctrination have a physiological impact? The answer is yes, absolutely. Similar to what we were talking about earlier with porn, creating those like habits. Those mm. habits are reinforced through like uh, basal ganglia structures in the brain constantly being activated and cortices telling you that like to keep doing this habit. Indoctrination can create the same sort of um pathways that lay down that we take for granted that then become sort of like tacit function as opposed to like directed function like the the things that you end up having thrust upon you what during the indoctrination process don't just impact the way that you think about religion they impact the way that you think about and view the world to the point that even when you're deconverting, you have what my friend Ocean calls, and I think this is such a great term, this sort of like latent Christianity or like this latent religious imprint that you still have to deconstruct even though you think just because you don't believe anymore that you're done with it. Like it's not done mm. with you yet because it has impacted a lot of your neurological and um function is that how like people can be afraid of hell even after they stop believing in hell that's that's a really good example actually because that's like a deep-seated fear and that's a part of the brain that becomes almost like autonomic right it's mm. it's something that's built into your like most base reactions to external stimuli and to any sort of like conscious processing is that emotional state that is like the like that real like deep down base of that so if you instill something that, like an, a, a serious deep down fear like a fear of something that is so intense that everything is like measured up against it consistently because every decision you make if you're if you really 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 believe in hell every decision you make that's going to factor into that decision, right? Mm. Everything you make. Like, so now it's part of your um, decision-making process. Whenever you're making any kind of decision, it's factoring into that as well. So it's, that's not going to go away because you're, how you make decisions doesn't change because you didn't, you don't believe in God anymore. Like your brain doesn't go, Oh, we don't believe in God anymore. I guess we'll make decision processes different. Nope, it doesn't do that. Your brain has been making decision processes a certain yeah. kind of way your entire life. And it's incorporated whether or not you're going to go to hell in those decision-making processes. Mm. You can't just flick a switch and have that not happen anymore. 
it's it's going to still come up because it always did. So when you're making decisions about things that previously would have had like hell implications, hell's going to come up because it always did because there was hell implications. Mm. So now you have to tell yourself there actually aren't hell implications, but you're afraid of hell. Your brain still goes, hell's bad and scary and we don't want to go there. Like, it takes a while to convince your brain, well, it's not real. You don't need to be afraid. Well, we've mm. never even been exposed to it before. So mm. there's, it's not like you can convince, like, you convinced me whole cloth, like, self. You convinced me as the brain that this was a thing I should be afraid of. Mm. I've never been exposed to it. It's just a conceptual thing that I'm supposed to be afraid of. How am I supposed to get rid of a concept that... I gave myself overnight. It's it's actually interesting because I remember when I when I got saved when well when I had my spiritual experience at church, I remember I slowly started to change what I found was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. So like I would stop listening to Slipknot at one stage in my mm -hmm. teenage years because it was evil, and then I stopped listening to. Eventually, I stopped listening to all Christian music. I stopped swearing, and I started like moving away from that. Um, like moving away, like I started moving in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. um, and but it took a while for me to learn things. And and you know, like new Christians are the same. We, we is that similar in that like you have to when you come under a new ideology and new belief system that people around you are believing. It's you have to start to you slowly have to learn what's right and wrong again, right? Yeah, that's that's a mm. fair assessment. Yep. Yeah, true. That's very interesting. Um, I I will move this. I'll, I'm going to skip the rest of the Q&A questions because we've been going for almost three hours. And Holy crap. if we keep going, we're going to be slurring our words even more than we might already I know. Doing. I know. I'm already like, what do words gonna... mean? What am I trying <laughs> to say? Um, What's going on in two... my brain biosphere? Because apparently that's a that's a way to describe <laughs> your brain now. <laughs> hey, look, According my to audience, me. my audience are lovely. They're gonna forgive any missteps in communication, and also uh, most of them probably won't even understand what you're talking about. But I'm gonna ask you one serious question and then a bonus fun question. Okay. Okay. So the last question is: What would convince you of God's existence? Mm, a coherent definition of god that's irrefutable because if you create if you actually came up with a definition of god that um was coherent and irrefutable because i haven't come across one yet um i would be intellectually forced to believe in it so interesting find me a definition of god that has internal consistencies um that is irrefutable and i would have to believe it oh that's a very reasonable question reasonable answer sorry oh my god i'm drunk <laughs> i'm glad that we we skipped a few because this bonus question is a fun one and um uh -oh. this this is just for fun okay All right. okay this is a bonus question <laughs> if if you could choose an afterlife of some sort and it would instantly become true. What would you choose? <clears throat> An afterlife. So, so like, do you want to believe in like the traditional Christian heaven and hell, or reincarnation, or like maybe some other like Native American thing you've heard, or like, is there, like what, what? If you could choose something and it would instantly become true, despite 
you're currently not believing it's true, what would you choose? What's the funnest afterlife or conception of reality? Can I make my own? Yeah, go for it. Um, I would want to be able to watch my son live his life. Oh, that's what I would pick. I'd want to be able to watch my son live his life after I was gone. Wow. And then I could just go away. I just want to watch him live his life. <laughs> Shannon, I wasn't ready for that amount of sweetness to like, <laughs> hit, like that's, that's very, that's, that's beautiful. That's a really nice answer. Um, wow. That's what I'd want. <laughs> wow. Then I don't need to go. I just, I just want to see that. Mm. Then I'd be good. Then I could just fade away. What just so that I would know he was okay. Yeah. And see what see what he does. <laughs> I don't need to see he's... everything he does. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably know which animes he's going to watch. Um, you probably had to watch all those. So yeah, um... lots of One Piece and the time I got reincarnated <laughs> as a slime and My Hero Academia <laughs> and something Immortal King. I can't remember. That's what he's watching right Just... now. Just on a side note, does Paul do any graphic novels anymore, or is he off off that? Paul is now officially a full time YouTuber. Wow, that's the only cool. person with a real job in this house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. no, not not at the moment. No, but I've, I've got yeah. some of his graphic novels behind me, actually, sitting on that shelf. Mm. If you want to see mm. one, have you ever seen any? I have not. Are you, you going to give one? us a? Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. Sitting on top of a pile of textbooks. Um, this is the one that he was writing when he was deconverting. It's called wow. Neozoic. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Did he do those drawings? Uh, no. There's an artist that did the drawings. He wrote them and owned the company. He also did this. Like, so this is from uh, of The Usual Suspects, the character Kaiser Soze from The Usual Suspects. He wrote a graphic novel about that. I have some more. These are the only ones. I have a pile of textbooks and then <laughs> a couple of his graphic novels. This is the second Neozoic. Wow. That's so cool. But he wrote several others. Uh, are they available for purchase anywhere? Or is that not yeah. like his? Uh, really? Go to Red 5. Okay. Links Links will be in the description to purchase Paul Agea's awesome graphic novels, as well as everything else that we've talked about. Uh as well as any other resources that Shannon might think of when she sobers up, or I might think of when I'm I sober. will never sober up. Don't tell me how to live my life. <laughs> Don't tell me how to live my life. <laughs> um, but thank you. Like, there's so much we didn't touch on, but thank you so much, Shannon Q, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, most interviews, I'm a little bit nervous beforehand, but I just, 
I just felt like we would get on so well that I just knew that I didn't have to be nervous. So I've oh, I've, good. it's been a really enjoyable conversation. You're I'm a really glad. great person. I'll link all your stuff in the description, um, of course, your YouTube channel. Um, make sure you check out her Twitter as well because her Twitter will probably have a different um, name, which is currently um, you're currently evasive eva- interlocutor. <laughs> evasive interlocutor. Yeah. So. So go go to see what she currently what Shannon currently is because I'm sure it's something else just as funny that my change been... whoever has the most creative insult let's see <laughs> maybe may, maybe my audience could come up with some cool maybe. creative insults and we could we might have work. a winner in your YouTube comment section you <laughs> yeah. don't know and I yeah. can tell if you're a tryhard I know <laughs> yeah. if you're trying I can tell. Uh, <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Shannon, for coming on. Um, you've done a, a fantastic job of getting me drunk and educating me about neuroscience, the consciousness, and the brain. I've learned a lot things. about you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so thank you so much, and I'll see everyone next time.